The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in the bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. He spotted a mark playing a game and marched on over with a goal. Find better loot and win a prize, but if you lose, the devil gets your soul. The devil opened his case and pulled out a mouse with a burst of fire and had the stuff. He had a team of demons at his beck and call, and by the end, they had enough. Well, old devil, it might be a sin, but I'll take that bet and you're gonna regret because I'm the best it's ever been. My pushing count just can't be beat in this life or the next, and I'll take your prize once you realize how much you've just been vexed. The devil put his mouse away because he knew that he'd been beat. Laid a golden internet nine down around the seat. He'll never cut out a stall, so you can keep playing until you rule them all. Mom, are you okay? Mom! Come with me if you want to live. Theorizing that one could travel within their own lifetime, two old RP Gamer staff members stepped into the RPG Backtrack Time Accelerator and vanished. They woke to find themselves trapped in the past, playing and talking about computer and console RPGs from the 80s right up to yesteryear, driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. Their only guides on this journey are other staff and players from RPGamer.com who they meet to help record podcasts that only their audience can listen and hear. And so, Phil and Mike find themselves leaping from game to game, striving to put right gaming backlogs gone wrong, and hoping each time that their next recording will be the one that leads them home. Welcome to the RPG Backtrack. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack, your favorite podcast. We're talking about RPGs from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. I'm hosting this show. My name is Phil Willis, and right alongside me to help keep things going is Mr. Mike Minky. I'm here. Don't don't be fooled by my sometimes silences. I am here. <laughs> uh, and Mr. Mike, there might be some silences between you and me today because we're talking about the Diablo trilogy with which you and I have limited experience with. I think I have more limited experience than you. Mm, indeed. But to help us uh, chit-chat about this, we have a trilogy of guests. First up is uh, Miss Bucky Cunning Turkey. I'm here to play Wildstar and steal your loot. Woohoo! Mr. Michael Apps. Uh, I have arthritis in my finger from too much Diablo clicking. <laughs> and, Someone's uh, gonna get worse with age, I think. And uh, helping me on record duties tonight since uh, I'm actually in Arizona on a hotel Wi Fi connection and I can't really do recording is Mr. John Stringer. I have returned. Indeed. And we're going to talk about Diablo stuff. Y'all ready to talk about Diablo? Apps don't want to talk about Diablo. Click, 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 click. He's too busy clicking. Okay, then he's ready to talk about Diablo. All right, well, we're going to keep, we're going to get this rolling here, so we're going to take a break. We'll be right back after these commercial messages.
Welcome back. We're ready to dive into this. We're going to talk. What about... is our episode title this time? Oh, did I forget to mention that? Crap, man! I'm slipping in my old age. This is like if we're being in Arizona. This is backtrack number one twenty. You could wake up dead tomorrow. Where we talk about the Diablo trilogy, and we're going to start off by talking about Diablo, the very first one. It's not Diablo one. It's just Diablo. This was developed by Blizzard North, published by Blizzard Entertainment. This was uh, released on numerous platforms originally on your Microsoft Windows PC on December 31st, 1996. Later on on Mac OS, May 8th, 1998. And on the PlayStation, March 1998. This is an action hack and slash dark fantasy RPG experience coming to you on one CD-ROM. Boy, and who wants to kick it off by talking about the deep story of Diablo? So deep. So deep. We're gonna stay have... a while and listen. <laughs> hey, d- does Decker does Decker tell the story? Uh, I yes. Because Decker's so cool about telling stories in Diablo three. So I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. Decker, go. Who's Decker? John. I'm Deckard. I can't do the yeah, voice very well. Decker. Oh, come. I can't do it either. <laughs> I failed. <laughs> I started and I failed. Deckard right. identifies your items. That is all he is good for. There was a podcast I was listening to. I want to say it's the World of Warcraft one, but it may be another one. And the guy was doing Decker so freaking well. I cannot follow him. If I, if I heard him, I could probably do it. But it's I have to like hear it and then I can recreate it maybe. Mm. Instead, you're just going to have to just be John and tell us about the story of Diablo. All right. Well, um, the demon, the, the, the world of sanctuary, and then there's heaven and hell, and they're constantly in uh, battle with one another. And uh, I think sanctuary is created uh, by a lover's tryst between a demon and an angel. And they create the world, and they create mortals and humans, and the three primevals, which is Diablo, uh, Baal, or Baal, or and Mephisto, are uh, essentially exiled to the mortal realm from the by the lesser demons, and um, they have a. <clears throat> they are eventually, this is in ancient times, they're eventually stopped by a group of wizards and. And captured in uh, soul stones that are then hidden and buried uh, deep underneath uh, some monasteries or cathedrals or some such. And one such cathedral or monastery that uh, housed the Diablo soul stone uh, is basically they forget about it. They uh, uh, a town kind of grows up next to it called Tristram, which is where you you start off. And um, uh, I believe King Leoric, which is the king of that land. Builds a new building over the old and is eventually, uh, well, his Archbishop Lazarus is then corrupted by Diablo within his soul stone to assist him in getting out of the soul stone. So, uh, you know, they do a bunch of evil stuff. Diablo takes over King Leoric. Uh, they have a big war where Leoric's soldiers go out and fight, and I think they're eventually defeated uh, by the group of paladins and, and some other such groups, and then Diablo, or sorry, then Diablo uh, takes over Leoric's son, and Leoric's cursed still. And uh, so, you enter Tristram as one of three heroes: the warrior, the rogue, or the sorcerer. And you're trying to solve the evils and the problems of the uh, of Tristram and what's going on. So, that's basically how you get. 
to where you are, and then it's a whole bunch of, you know, figuring out what was going on, going through the monastery, going down some levels, and then going to hell. Or, you know, you get there, and they're like, there's a big bad guy at the bottom of this dungeon. Go down there, and yeah, they do. Yeah, that, that pretty much. Very straightforward. Hmm, Deep Stories by Diablo. And I guess I'll... Well, and you yeah, you go fight various bosses. You kill Lazarus. You eventually um, meet Diablo at the end in hell after various levels of uh, the dungeons. But, you know, Diablo's basically spawned its own, or helped spawn its own uh, genre of games, and it's a hack-and-slash loot fest. You kill a bunch of stuff, you gain levels, you get loot. You kill more stuff, you get better loot. Now... There's also a twist at the end, which we have to mention because we spoil everything here on our backtrack. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's due. If we don't do it for this game, then we'll have to start not doing it for other games. The warrior basically is the canon hero that defeats him, and he sticks Diablo's soul stone in his head, and he goes off. Um, What what twist are you talking about specifically? Yeah, that's it. At the end. (laughs) At the end. I don't know why he sticks Diablo's soul stone in his head, but I guess he, he does. And, feels he's yeah. the strongest enough to try to contain him. So, yeah, he shoves it in his head, and that's how he stops to stop Diablo. And then, of course, that leads to Diablo 2. Now, would you all say that, you know, while we're talking about the story, if we move on to the, the gameplay, which will be a much more... Uh, I mean, well, obviously, it'll be a deeper conversation. <laughs> Would you say that the story in Diablo is deeper than the typical action RPG? Around, I guess, for though, I guess it would only be fair to compare it against other action RPGs around that time. Well, it was unique in some ways that it was really dark, and uh, you know, a lot of the RPGs around that time you played or action ones or J- action JRPGs, and they had a much, typically, a much more cheerful story. You know, like you know. Uh, Secret of but, Mana? Yeah, Secret of Mana and other... other you know, Although, Super well, that Mario was... RPG? Exactly. So, it, it, while it wasn't, you know, fantastic and it was fairly bare bones, the, it, it was different and it was, you know, dark, it was uh, brutal. Oh, wait, what, wasn't Ultima 8 an action RPG, technically? Uh, hmm. We, we hmm. probably don't want to go there, though. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there's I've... a cat trying to eat my blizzard. Bad cat. <laughs> Sorry. I have that, a kitten. <laughs> since you mentioned Blizzard, that could have applied to what we're talking about, yeah. but obviously not. <laughs> was, uh, this is not the Dairy Queen variety. Oh. Bad for cats. So, uh, hmm. Did you... It also seemed like some of the sound when I was playing for what little I played. And I'll talk about that later. But it also seemed like the the townspeople kind of got involved. You know, when you were talking. Yeah, there's I mean, was... NPCs. You had Decker Kane. You had Adria. I think did Adria sell you magical items in the first one? Is that what she did? Potions and rings and scrolls and stuff. Is that? I, I'm trying to remember her purpose. I can't remember any of their names. I know Deckard. Well, don't I, you can't I just, you can't forget the most important character. Uh, Deckard? No, with Wart and his leg and his peg leg. I just remembered all of them by where they were in town. Then there's the <laughs> the big uh, blacksmith guy. I can't think of his name right now. 
he's what he, you know, you bought your weapons from him. Deckard, you would identify your items, and I, I don't even remember what Warp did. You <laughs> led to several jokes about his legs and yeah. <laughs> following Blizzard games, including you know you find his other leg in Diablo 2 and then you find his third leg in World of Warcraft. <laughs> his third leg. Yeah, make of that what you will. <laughs> I would prefer not to think about that too deeply at this moment. <laughs> I would advise against that, yes. So there's there's definitely a, a lot of groundbreaking things that um yeah, I almost said Ultima 8. That Diablo did. <laughs> Ultima 8 was groundbreaking. It was. It was. It was something breaking. I think it was soul breaking uh, for fans of the series. No, it led, to a, it led to a groundbreaking hissy fit. Hissy fit. There you go. Uh, so we'll try to we'll try to make some sense of this by um, let's just picking one thing at a time. Let's talk about. Let's talk about some of the things that really made Diablo stand out, such as uh, its classes. What what made Diablo's classes stand out from other action RPGs at the time? Well, I guess you could pick a class where a lot of them you're just the main character. Uh, but I guess as a Western game, that was you know fairly typical to do something like that. Um, There's only three. Uh, you had the you know, the warriors, the melee class, of course. The uh, sorcerer was the ranged magic character and then the rogue was kind of a more of an archer type ranged archer type so it kind of I looked at wiki a little while ago and apparently there was an actual expansion pack for the original game that gave you two whole extra classes no that's Diablo 2 yeah no there is an expansion pack yeah but it only gave you one real character the monk wait yes are we casting doubt upon the reliability of wikipedia well there was no there oh, no, they didn't. There were supposed oh, to be no. three extra characters, but two of them didn't quite make it. They did not talk bad about Wikipedia. <laughs> so there were three classes, and then the expansion added one. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, it added one. It was supposed to add two more, but they didn't quite make it in. Uh, I think part of their uh, code was in the game, so some hackers ended up making them available at some point, I believe. But it actually wasn't developed by Blizzard, and it was kind of... Uh, I guess I should... it published by Sierra? Yeah, I think it was. And it wasn't all that regard- well-regarded, I guess. It was kind of, eh. Uh, it's now become kind of a collector's item, but I don't think yeah, it... It's... I think I actually sold my copy when it was going up in price, because, meh. <laughs> not that good. Also, did not work with the Mac version. Ah. Uh, no! Ouch! Something well, that was back in the, the 90s when not much worked with Mac in, nine, in no. the late 90s, as I understand. It's only recently that a lot of games were Mac compatible, I think. But uh, And then you know, another big draw with this game is you can play multiplayer and get with your friends. Oh, yeah. Go online and... Oh, 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 hold up. Not so oh, fast. Oh, 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 jumping oh, oh, ahead. Oh. Jumping ahead. So, Dial up. Can we even think... Can we even think about? Um, and I'm I'm just sitting here kind of struggling a little bit. Can we even think of any other action RPGs of around that time that let you pick different classes? Uh, well, I only play PC games, and there weren't very many action there RPGs weren't. on PC mm. before Diablo. So, and on the consoles, I mean, Secret of Mana kind of comes to mind, but those were preset characters, right. if I recall. 
Um, well, your class kind of changed with your weapon type, I guess, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I could say I could say Seiken Densetsu three, but you know that never came out over here, so it's a real stretch. I mean, Diablo was kind of it did kind of kickstart its own genre of game, so it's hmm. hard it's hard to say much came before it. Well, yeah, I, I'm racking my brain here, and I'm not. Yeah, I think I think that's what. Seriously. I mean, it's just one of the things that kind of make it so groundbreaking. If somebody else can think of a another um, example, but I was playing games around that. I mean, I was playing games all through those decades, and and there's just I think that's what made Diablo. I mean, one of the things that made Diablo so stand out was yeah, you kind of had Secret Man, some had other experiences like that, but not one that really let you have you know. First of all, you get to pick three classes from yeah. the beginning. Well, did this uh, did this come out before or after the early Elder Scrolls games? It was pretty close. Um, I'm not sure. Let's... Arena might have been before it, but I'm not sure if it. The other one, I can't. I'd have to go look it up. Well, there's only one yeah, to go. I think for Arena it. was before it. Yeah, but... yeah, Arena was okay. 1994. Yeah. So, uh, Arena, very well known for its bugs, was 1994. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, that those three... Now, I had played a number of 3D action RPGs. I guess you're right. Arena would give you classes or whatnot. Was it classes in Arena? Uh, Dagger... I played... I jumped in with Daggerfall. But yeah, uh, there were a couple of, like, 3D action RPGs. I mean, hell, I played Cat, Catacomb. I don't know if any of y'all remember that, but we're talking, like, 1988. Um, around that time, when which was, like, you're a wizard... And you throw a fireballs out with your hands. You can pick up different scrolls and stuff along the way. It was like a 3D type of thing. But Diablo, it went back to 2D. Well, we're getting into the combat system. Well, Daggerfall did come out a few months before. Uh, uh, Daggerfall Diablo. is August 31st, 1996. So, yeah, a few months before. Yeah, a few months before uh, December 31st, 1996. So. <laughs> um, but, I mean, Diablo, uh, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, hmm. Okay, so Elder Scrolls Daggerfall would definitely give you a lot of flexibility now you made your character and class and stuff. But it was, um, yeah, I guess you could kind of say they're both action RPGs. But, I mean, they're really not anything alike. No. Yeah, so other than, other than the fact you might stick them somehow into the same uh, genre or subgenres. Okay, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about combat, since y'all want to talk about combat so much. Click, 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 click. Click 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 click, 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 Which is super oversimplifying it, but you do click a lot. Well, let's be fair. Pushing, 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 Mouse, pushing. Mouses were, or mice were not standard equipment until just a few years earlier, right? That's true. So you've got to put yourself in kind of the mind of, of the mid-90s. I mean, we were pushing CD-ROMs, uh, full motion videos. 3D was becoming more and more popular. I, uh, you know, your PlayStation, PlayStation 1 came out when? Uh, Here it came out in 95, I think, uh, yeah. September 95, that sounds right. Right, it sounds about right. So, I mean, I remember PlayStation was coming out around that time. Everything was 3D, 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 3D. And then here comes Diablo, and it's 2D. <laughs> and, and it's going to have combat, all this quick action combat in 2D, when things like Elder Scrolls and stuff were doing 3D graphics. What was y'all's initial impression uh, of that when you, when you saw, first saw the game and it was 2D? And I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my gosh, this is so well, awesome! That early 3D was all ugly. So, <laughs> thank you, thank you. You said it was that, John. <laughs> yeah, 
John, you and I, we're going to go out and have a beer together. And, uh, because people have heard me say this on the show many, many times. The PlayStation 1 era, the mid-90s, going in you know, all the way through the early PlayStation 2, in my opinion, would push the 3D too fast. It was fugly as hell. But, you know, you go... Phil. Phil, come on now. How could ah. you how could you diss the beautiful 3D graphics produced by the Sega Saturn? Oh, <laughs> how dare you. It, it's like you're dissing the launch titles of the PlayStation. It's like the original Tomb Raider is hard to go back to now for some reason. Oh, my God. Her breasts were triangles. They could poke your eye out if you swung around fast enough. They could kill you and maim you. They were that sharp. And, and let's not even go into Final Fantasy VII and, and what's-his-name Cloud with his fist that just looked like big blocks from the Atari 2600. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but we digress. No, I, I, I had a little bit of a different perspective because Diablo came out during my college vortex where I played almost nothing because I had better things to do, like study and be involved what? in too many activities and have sex. Wait, but, Becky, um, were, were you actually yeah. trying to make all that money you were paying for college be useful? Something like that, yeah. I, I just liked school and stuff. Um, Anyway, so I didn't end up really playing it until like 98, 99, so I thought it was kind of ugly, mostly mostly the design, not so much that it was 2D, because I didn't have a problem with 2D, but the, the dungeons were kind of meh. <laughs> so no, I, this game always, I was always drawn to this game. I remember our friend showed it to me, and I guess I was a freshman in high school when this came out, and, and I was playing on this laptop that really wasn't a great gaming laptop, so I remember the load screens would take forever. So if you had to cross from zone to zone, you sit there and you watch that blue load screen pop up, and in like 20, 30 seconds. Well, you had a laptop back then? Yeah. Actually, it was my grandfather's work laptop that he never used, and so he just let me kind of have it. Uh, cool. So I played it on that, and yeah, it's uh, – I just – one of the things I really remember the most is waiting for all those terrible load screens to, to go through. So – yeah, the 2D graphics, I think my impression definitely was, like you said, it's a darker game. And, but, you know, in my, you know, back in those days, you either got really fugly 3D games because people were being wowed by the 3D craze, or you got these really pretty, gorgeous 2D games, like some of the, you know, Ultima games and the such. But you're right, Diablo was darker and more foreboding, but it was no less, in my opinion, it was pretty impressive. Uh, it's hard to go to nowadays because of the lower resolution, but back in the day, it was impressive. Did it yeah. have load times? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess it yeah. probably did back then, yeah. yeah but I, was... I mean, it, back then, Blizzard was always pretty good about kind of putting out games that didn't necessarily, like, require super hardware. So, I mean, that that, that game pretty much ran on everything. Yeah. So, well, lo load times are not inherently bad. It's just with games from that era when disc-based media was still fairly new, you kind of have to expect it. It wasn't load time. It was basically in load yeah. times when you're going from uh, area to area was the only time it really popped up. It load the whole. I didn't area. even notice because you know it was par for the course for games back then. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. I was playing it on super-powered college university ah. computers. <laughs> They were they were not super powered. <laughs> I mean, does that mean you had uh, Ethernet at the time? Yeah, uh, I played. Um, I think my primary play sessions were with a couple of friends when we were working in the student computer labs one summer. Well, you also had computers that were four years or a couple years, two three years newer than when this game was released. So they're probably yeah, that too. Yeah, but uh, and now the computers are so new that some of them have to take special programs before they'll play this at all, I'm sure. 
kitten chewing my microphone cord could help here. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not going to help us in the podcast if your cord gets chewed off. Uh, <laughs> but for those who you that's, are, that's not going to help the kitten either. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, my 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 poor old guy passed away, and we now have a young guy. <laughs> For those who may be unaware, it is a 2D overhead isometric view, and you kind of click around the area with your mouse to move, and then you also uh, attack uh, by clicking your target and using various skills your character may have. And uh, yeah, I mean, you've seen a whole bunch of them now, just overhead, you know, click around, move around with the mouse. And uh, the one big thing this game had was town portals. That was always kind of cool. Where you use a scroll and you could create this portal to go back to town and instantly, you know, teleport back and forth to you, to your locations. Where I think most other games I played before that, you always had to do the long trek yourself everywhere you went. So that was kind of new to me, at least. Yeah, that was cool back in the day. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, a lot that's of, still a lot cool. Of Not every game yeah. does that even now. It's true. And <laughs> then Good. you had to identify all your items and. Used a lot of scrolls for that, or paid Decker Kane 100 gold, I think, each item to uh, to uh, reveal. So you get, you know, your regular items that were white or gray or whatever they were that were just standard, and then you had magical items that needed to be identified in order to un- uh, unlock their special abilities. Yeah, I feel the need to kind of interject here. Um, you know, we we yeah, you know, we probably you know going to save this for the end and talk about just how. Influential Diablo is on generations of action RPGs that come after, and I just feel the need when you're talking about the hundred gold to identify stuff to point out that that is still alive and well today in newer action <laughs> RPGs, uh, and, and they totally take around Diablo. I mean, there's no other reason to do this. It's completely arbitrary. It really doesn't add. It doesn't add to the experience at all. It's a little bit of an irritation, in fact. Well, and, if, and if a game doesn't have it or they've taken it away from their series, uh, a.k.a. Torchlight or whatever, it's like, oh, this is a big revolution. You don't have to pay to identify your items anymore. Well, I, I, will, I will point out that that was not a Blizzard original. Um, many of the ideas in Diablo, in fact, were taken from the roguelike genre. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, and, and, that was and, playing, and including, you know, having mysterious items that you either had to identify or experiment with. Except for in Diablo, why would you bother experimenting with them? Because you could town portal back to the person who would identify the items. Yeah, no, and I mean, and I mean, nothing, you know, nothing's new underneath the sun. I mean, this goes back to D and D. We used to have to pay to identify, you know, our magic items in the pen and paper way back in the '80s. But what's interesting is that I mean, I think Diablo set so much of the foundation for action RPGs afterwards that even just these little things still carrying over today. It's just amazing. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the combat specifically. Potions. Potions. potions and potions oh, and potions and potions. Too many potions. Like po- which I'm glad they, f- yes. which we'll get to, but I'm glad they eventually moved away from that a bit. That was always my biggest gripe with the first two games is it's a yeah, potion swapping fest. <laughs> uh, getting hurt, hit a potion. Getting hurt, hit a potion. You know, it's or you're um, a lot of potions. What kind of potions? Healing potions, Healing potions. and mana potions. Yeah. yeah. What else? Any other That's potions? Uh, rejuvenation oh, potions that do both mana and healing. Ooh. <laughs> Those were the bee's knees. The gold potions. Mm. I guess for you people who use lots of So mana. does it make the game too easy that I can just spam potions to keep myself alive during difficult battles? No, Surprisingly, get... no. <laughs> <laughs> well, for one thing, you can only carry so many potions. 
Yeah. Because you have a limited inventory. Or you carried more at the expense of extra inventory space for loot. But sometimes, as you used your potions, you'd open up more loot as you went down. So it was kind of a a, a trade-off there. Here, a little give and take. The further more loot you got, the more potions you probably used. So. Yeah, but I mean, in terms of difficulty, this game was no slouch. At least. Uh, it's just surprising to hear y'all say. It's just to stay focused on potion for just a second and the healing. It just it's surprising to hear y'all say that because it seems like that a lot of the later games try to you know reinvent the the potion thing. Even Diablo three yeah. now has a thirty second cooldown or whatever it is on on potion, so you don't spam them too quickly. Well, that's the whole reason I think uh, that WoW was the first to really get away from that, where you don't just have to you know can hit potions all the time to keep yourself alive. It's 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 a more of an oh shit than a than a primary relied upon tool hmm. the first two Diablos you basically had to sit there and I think it was designed around you just drinking potions nonstop. Yeah, I mean at least they had an excuse action RPGs were kind of going through a lot of change at that point and you know uh, but I mean for the time it wasn't really a big issue no I mean you, wow. didn't, you didn't know anything different but then yeah. when you get different you know, you're like wow this is a lot better yeah. All right. Fair enough. So, uh, all right. So let's jump a little bit more into the combat. So I keep hearing you say clickly, clickly, clickly. That sounds awful boring to me. <laughs> uh, I well, kind of thought it was. <laughs> it could be, but I mean, it depends on, you know, what you're clicking. You know, when you're going through kind of easier areas, you're just like, okay, click on this dude. He's dead. Okay. When you're being swarmed by enemies trying to use spells, use potion. Yeah. I want to kill this guy that's almost dead. Need to move around these. You know, it, it obviously can get a lot more intense. Yeah. Um, you have to move around, kite enemies, uh, yeah. use your skills strategically. And and when you were playing multiplayer, there was friendly fire. Yeah. Yes. So that oh. was interesting. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I did not know that. Yeah, I did because I only played yeah. multiplayer. Um, wow. <laughs> that definitely increases the risk that much profanity will be exchanged between the players. Yes. <laughs> yes. Especially when there's one warrior and then the other two are playing at, um, archer and sorcerer or wizard. <laughs> the warrior's like, stop hitting me. <laughs> so, so you felt like that, 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 that the combat system was engaging, that even despite the fact it sounds a little repetitious, it seemed to have kept you on your toes. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. it served the purpose. Yeah. I mean, to get it, more loot. Right. <laughs> In the more boring parts, obviously the combat is just kind of monotonous to some extent, but you know, the game keeps driving you on to get to the bottom of that dungeon, get, get to hell kill Diablo so you know there's always more loot to find there's always more to do um so, you know to kind of push you through any areas where the combat gets boring so uh, I mean I remember playing it with cheats which was pretty boring uh which was definitely just click 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 till everything's dead but you know it it kind of goes hand in hand with the difficulty you know if if the game isn't challenging you, then yeah, it is kind of just click, click these things till they're dead, and that's that. So I hope you don't develop carpal tunnel syndrome. Yes. Uh, so this game being relatively difficult is very important 
and you know, it kind of harkens. Definitely, can see a lot of influence from roguelikes in this game. Well, I mean, including the like yeah. randomized dungeons and whatnot. Yeah, that um, was what kept the replayability up. The, always the promise of hidden and uh, discoverable loot at any corner in any enemy, and then the randomized dungeons, and then the atmosphere yeah. is just really cool. I think that was a very atmospheric game. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of the games that tried to just be like Diablo kind of miss some of these uh, smaller elements that made Diablo Diablo. You know, like I've played some pretty super easy and really boring Diablo clones, you know, that kind of miss the point. So, you know, difficulty balance is very important. I was actually, I never got super into Diablo. Um, I, I, I couldn't stand to play it by myself. I only played it with my friends. <laughs> Third-person looters, as the um, as, as it's fun to call the genre that Diablo kind of spawned, are just not my bag of tea. And really, I think this the first one didn't really quite hook me so much as it got me to play the second one, which we'll get to. This one hooked me. How did it play online when you were forced to use dial-up? Pretty well, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I think so. It was one of the first games I actually played online, if I remember yeah. correctly. Like this I mean, and Red okay. Alert, and it, it was functional. I mean, if, if, you, if you look at Battle.net back then, compared to a lot of online services, it was pretty darn good. I, I mean, I mostly used it for StarCraft back around that same time, but, you know, they... Blizzard did a really good job with that. Well, even more so online, you played a lot with uh, over local area networks. And yeah, that was the the way to play, basically. I think. Yeah, definitely. It's weird to think about how long ago it seems that we used dial-up, but it wasn't honestly that long ago. No, it really um, wasn't. I think I went to broadband in two thousand one. I first experienced it when I went to college in 2002 and learned, wow, things can move this fast. I'm not limited to freaking 56K anymore. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, pretty cool, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't have to wait half an hour for a, a crummy, awful rendition video clip that I wanted to watch to load. <laughs> I remember my... Uh... My favorite moment, though, in the game, I always remember, is meeting the butcher for the first time early on. Oh, yeah. yeah the butcher. He was scary. Yeah, that I remember. That was actually kind of <laughs> cool. Yeah, that game just had great atmosphere, good music. Yeah, I think he was, like, the first hard boss, and you're walking around, and you just hear, oh, fresh meat. And you're like, holy shit, what's going on? And this guy just comes out and destroys you. Yeah. His big butcher cleaver and his blood everywhere. It's It's pretty creepy. I mean, especially not really knowing how the game's going to play, you know, your first time through uh, running to that first boss was really cool. I definitely remember that. It it would creep out people in my house just to, to watch me play in it. I mean, it was just, it was so well done. Then you had the Naked Succubus. So as a 14-year-old high school freshman, we all love the Naked Succubus. Succubi. <laughs> Whoa, holy crap. At my age, I still... Hold on, I'm logging in right now. <laughs> I was kidding. Um, 
right. it, was, it was a little yep. pixelated. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Well, you know, yeah, the image may not hold up against your memories now. Probably. I was about to say, you know, it's funny is um, I was on G. Oh, speaking of uh, GOG has a whole bunch of sales going on. Uh, they're doing their summer sales, so uh, probably by the time I get this edited, though, it won't be still going on. But I was looking at some screenshots. I forget which game it was. Probably Duke Nukem or something like that. And they actually had like a naked woman. You know, on a screenshot that they have on their public website. And then I figure, well, it's probably because it's so pixely they can get away with it. So, yeah, Diablo is probably along those lines. All right, so gameplay is tight. It sounds like I was going to ask you about balance, but it sounds like the it sounds like you guys were enjoying the balance. I mean, it's a Blizzard how, game. It's the balanced. That's what they're always pretty good at. Now, was this good right out of the gate, or did it take a lot of patches to get there? No, I don't think this one wasn't patched as heavily as some of the others. Hmm. It couldn't be back then. Yeah, I, I don't even hear your patch coming through a download. Yeah, you're. Probably... I don't remember if I patched it at all back in the day. To be honest, I can't. I couldn't say. All right. So all uh, all of you who played Diablo one was it was it uh, was was your gaming experience primarily with other people or was it uh, did any of y'all get hooked playing by yourself? I played by myself. I'm, I played I'm by myself. Ah. Oh, so it even holds up in solo play. Or a friend would come over and we play, and one of us would watch the other and take turns. We did that a lot, too. So only... Yeah, my brother and I did that a, a yeah. fair amount. All right. So let's get into the character system a little bit, because this is where it kind of hits a sore spot with me and my experience. Um, so, of course, we are talking 1995, so old school, <laughs> you know, right? So in Diablo, once you once you pick your you know your skills as you level up, right, don't you put points into something? Uh, or spells. I can't remember if one had a skill system. I know that was in two, but I'm not sure if yeah, one had that. One had you just got skills. One. I think you just I think it, Yeah, I'm pretty sure the skills trees were an innovation of two. Yeah. Oh, okay. I might get them a little mixed up in my head. You basically, just unlo- as you leveled, you unlock new skills and you could use it, as far as I remember. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a lot more straightforward. Straightforward. Okay, straightforward is good. So I will I will save my horror story for Diablo 2 then. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a problem when he played, you know, we talk about games from like almost 20 years ago as I get them all mixed up in my head. Okay, fair enough. Um, so it sounds super exciting. Is there any, uh, what about the uh, music and the soundtrack? Did it add well, to? Well, I heard that the atmosphere? music was, was definitely a plus, but I don't Oh, yeah, it's, uh, especially the town music. Yeah, I love Trish from town music, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, fit the mood perfectly there are, i don't no, think I don't, there were a lot of songs there's only like five or six or something but they're, yeah they're quite I, good. I don't think there was a lot of music that played in the dungeons but i mean there are a lot of good sound effects i mean we talked about the butchers the, the butcher scaring speaks, the crud out right? of you. yes yeah yeah uh definitely a lot of good sound effects so better voice acting than uh, what else was coming out in 96? Oh, yeah. Didn't Resident Evil come out that year to show us what voice acting was really all about? <laughs> I hope that isn't Chris's blood. <laughs> you were almost a Jill sandwich. <laughs> yeah, well, the, funny, the funny thing is that the voice actors, I'm pretty sure, would all just like people around their office. But, you know, they, it was just little voice clips, and they were relatively yeah. entertaining. So there weren't, there weren't a lot of them, but they were there. I mean, I guess... Yeah. It probably paled in comparison to the voice acting in like Warcraft Two or something that was already out at the time. So, I mean, ah, it, good old Warcraft. It wasn't amazing, but you know, Deckard had his few lines, and then or didn't he? He said, didn't he say a decent bit at the very beginning when he 
Explain yeah, I think Deckard may have been an actual voice actor. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But then, you know, you, you got a few lines here and there from other, but you, you, there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know. It's pretty love. funny how, it's pretty funny how we got some voice acting in a game from 1995 and uh, I'm playing a game from 2014 and it's, I guess it's got some voice acting, but not nearly enough. Um, yeah, it really adds to the atmosphere and especially back then. Um, especially, so it is, it sounded, obviously it'd be CD quality, so it sound, probably sounded pretty well, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wasn't like the digitized, you know, voices oh, off no. a Nintendo no, 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 console no. or anything. <laughs> Gross no, high quality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, awesome. All right. Well, is there any? Um, is there any? I, I guess the only thing I would mention. Well, from here's here's what I would ask. How much time do you think you spent with the thing? Probably hundred hours. Which, Not as much as I did with two. Yeah, I, I was. A, it seemed to be a lot back then compared to the hours I've put in some games since. It's you know pales in comparison. I don't even remember if we actually got to the end of the dungeon that summer or not, but it wasn't a ton of time. I probably beat it two or three times, and then went through halfway a couple other times, and trying different characters. I'd say you got your money's worth then. Oh yeah. Well, I was also back then, when I was in school, I didn't have money. I couldn't buy a lot of games, so. Yeah. Did, did any of y'all try the uh, PlayStation version? Nope. No. Which had no online play for some amazing reason. I can't imagine what that would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never had a PlayStation, so. It's because uh, 56K baud modem adapters for PlayStation 1 were incredibly expensive. That and I don't think they even worked because there was no PlayStation Net back then. I know. <laughs> uh, any any other well, any other thoughts before I say something about going back and playing it today? Go for it. Nope. Okay. Uh, did we talk about the inventory system at all? Like the grid-based Ooh. inventory? I don't think we did. I'm not sure if any games had really done that before this. Inventory Tetris. Yay! And yes, actually, a lot of games had done a lot of games on PC had done inventory yeah. Tetris. And they, okay. Notably the the Ultima, Ultima series, yeah. and um, a whole bunch of the 3D dungeon crawlers, stuff like that. Okay. Remember that I was trapped on Mac at this time, so yeah. I would not Wait, know. You could have played Dungeon Master. It had inventory Tetris. Oh, that's right. I did play Dungeon Master. Yeah. I think I play. I think I played that later on after Diablo, though. Yeah, I for completely forgot. I completely forget that Dungeon Master existed. That was like one of my. That was my introduction to dungeon crawlers. Nice. Back in the like late '80s. I guess. Oh yeah, and um, I the Beholder. I forgot about mm-hmm. I the Beholder too. Yeah, I the Beholder. Item Tetris, so much All right. fun. So that wasn't anything new, but that was that word. That was cool. I can I, also. I can also note that. If you actually decide to roleplay in this roleplaying game and you happen to be playing the uh, rogue, your teammates don't appreciate it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> while they're killing things, you run around grabbing all the gold. And I did that for about five or six levels before they figured out what was going on. <laughs> yeah, they didn't quite have the check and balances of later <laughs> games where maybe it was instant loot, inst- uh, instanced loot yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, no, no, you could just pick up all the Just pick it all up. <laughs> sure, why not? And then stab the warrior in the back. So the easy way. 
I know you can play this. Uh, I, I know you could probably purchase and play this game through Blizzard's uh, service. I got. I I went back and gave it a spin when I bought uh, Diablo Three Collector's Edition, and they give you the little memory stick um, with Diablo One and Two on it. So that was pretty cool. You just install it off a memory stick, and no CD-ROM needed, and you're good to go, and you're playing Diablo. Uh, I will warn you. It is tough to go back and play at those resolutions in the 21st century. That that's that was probably the biggest thing for me that was like, oh, okay, moving on to the next one on the list. Um, but if you're a retro gamer and you're used to playing in lower resolutions and the stuff, and you think, uh, you know, Baldur's Gate 1 and its original resolution is the bee's knees, then, uh, then that doesn't hold you back. It sounds like you have a lot of fun with this. Oh, yeah. All righty. Uh, then again, it sounds like we may have a problem if people play the second one prior because it may be hard to go back. Yeah, it is. I think, yeah. and I think the second one had higher resolution, uh, didn't it? I, I want to say it does. And uh, But the second one has its own, own quirks and, and stuff. And we'll talk about that after we come back from this musical selection. Welcome back. We're ready to talk about Diablo 2, developed by Blizzard North, published by Blizzard Entertainment, because they're two totally, completely different things. This was released on Microsoft Windows in North America on June 29, 2000, and on the Mac in July 26, 2000, just a few weeks later. This is another action hack-and-slash RPG single and multiplayer experience, and it's three times as awesome as Diablo 1 because it comes on three CD-ROMs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Diablo 2. Yep. And the only way to play it is on hardcore mode. I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> so, real men play hardcore. <laughs> uh, this was back when downloading three CDs worth of material would have taken you a long time. <laughs> yeah, 2000, I think we were up to 56K by then. Um, hmm. No DSL yet, though. I seem to remember my mother switching out for about the 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 forty-ish K modem around then. We didn't get the fifty-six K until. I'm pretty sure I had fifty-six K in two thousand. Because two thousand one, I had broad, sorry broadband. Uh, I got my first cable modem in two thousand. Okay, yeah. Two thousand, damn. Not fair. Not two thousand XX. The year flat on two thousand. Yeah, I knew it was around. We just, you know, it was expensive though. All right, so who? It wasn't so bad. I was living in Minnesota, and prices weren't too bad out there. Uh, so. Who wants to talk? About, this is back in the day when 56k modem cost almost 100 bucks. Uh, who wants to talk <laughs> about the awesome story and continuation of the Diablo saga? I guess I can continue it, but Mr. Stringer, go! All uh, right, you have your uh, was it the wandering. What do they call him? The Wanderer. 
but that, that there's another what there's basically it was the warrior from the first one uh he was kind of all he was being in the process of being possessed by diablo and he was wandering from location to location being influenced by diablo and trying to awaken ball and mephisto or bale um and you first start with the uh, rogue Amazon-type city. It's kind of an outdoor area. And uh, this game is actually split up into two acts. Uh, I believe four in the original and then uh, a fifth act in, in the expansion. And uh, you're one of five characters that you can choose from. And you kind of follow along this warrior. There's another guy named Marius, I believe is his name. And he's actually the narrator of it, and he follows the uh, the wanderer around. And I'm trying to get it all down. Um, he follows him around, kind of. He's kind of scared and kind of cowardly. Um, so after you uh, fight, what was her name? What was his? Uh, Alariel or something. Was that was that her name? The first big boss in the first act. Uh, the demon. Her name. Yeah. Uh, and Dariel, that's it. And Dariel, they corrupted the basically, you know, the rogue from the first game. Their her home area is kind of like the Amazons that you could be the. And Dariel had corrupted them. You you kill Andario that you know, Diablo kind of indirectly sends her to stop you. And then uh, act two, you go to a desert. And I believe uh, a wizard named Tal Rasha had taken over a soul stone there, a bale soul stone. And I think Marius goes to uh, – Marius ends up taking the soul stone. And, um, and then Tyrael, the angel, comes down tells Marius to go to hell and destroy the soul stone. Uh, and then the, was the Wanderer uh, – they get with Bale and they join with Mephisto and they go to hell, basically. Um, and so you're you're kind of chasing them the whole time. And you go to the Act Three after uh, I think you fight Tarasha. Is is that right? Is that the last enemy, the big boss in Act Two, Tarasha? Uh, my memory is failing me. <laughs> uh, and then you go to Act Three, which is in the swamp area, which is where the Paladin. Uh, group is from the uh Zacharum religion it's like they're headquartered there and that basically is where the portal to hell is that the demons took to go back to hell and then on act four uh you yeah mephisto guards that portal so you actually fight your first uh greater demon mephisto and uh at the end of act three and then once you defeat him you uh take a soul stone you go to hell uh i think Tyrael comes and uh and assists you there the Archangel Tyrael, and you go fight Diablo again in, uh, in Hell and take a Soul Stone. Uh, towards the act of the end of it, um, the Marius guy is in a prison. I remember, uh, you, I think someone in disguise comes up to him and asks him for this, uh, maybe ask Tyrael, he looks as Tyrael, or, or maybe the hero, I can't remember. And he asked Marius for the Bale Soulstone because he was too cowardly to go down and destroy it. He hands it over to him, and then uh, Bale comes out and you know reveals himself and kind of leads you into the expansion. And that's also an awesome cutscene. Yeah. FYI. Yep. And then uh, actually, all the cutscenes in this game are really great. Yeah, it was 
No, yeah, the, the uh, presentation of this game is really awesome. Uh, it's basically Diablo 1, but, you know, improved in areas of presentation and depth and all that in, in a lot of ways. That the story, I guess, really all, isn't all that great, but when you're playing it, it's fairly involving. But when you're kind of summarizing it, it's just, you know, you, know, you follow them around, follow them around, fight some guys, follow them around, and you finally catch up to them and kill them. It's kind of, in a nutshell, it's what it is. And I, do we want to talk about the expansion story now or wait for that? I don't know, Phil. Do we want to touch on all the story at once or wait for the yeah, expansion? Yeah, I would I would go ahead and include it all all, all together. All I, you know, I totally forgot that there was an expansion here. So I'll, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead and look up the credentials for that and while this you was talk a, about the story. An official, much more involving expansion than uh, obviously the previous one. And, yeah. uh do they even sell it at, like separately anymore? Because now I, mean, I don't know. I think, I think now it's kind of just one game. Yeah. It's best to just lump it all together. Basically, yeah. Um, so you know, obviously, you're you're trying to go kill Bale. He goes to the barbarian home area, which is the Ariat Mountains, and he wants to get the World Stone. And I'm trying to is the World Stone what kind of controlled Pandemonium, or I'm trying, or is that what created Sanctuary? I can't remember. There's the World Stone had a big significance in this in the world, obviously. But um, so yeah, you just go up the the you have to the barbarians are under siege and they're they're fighting the demons. Um, you got to go and you you know you actually have to kill some barbarians who are trying to who made a pact with Bale and are helping him out to spare their town. Uh, you fight them. You fight the guardians. Uh, I remember there was those three guardians that you kind of had to test your metal before you could get in the the was it pandemonium that you had to go to or is it just some temple? But uh, you fight them, you pass them up. It says Bale's in there, and you go and you encounter Bale and you kill him. So, and then I believe uh, the World Stone was um, corrupted or something, and uh, yeah, Imperial has to destroy it and maybe, you know before Hell takes over. That's you know fairly fairly well, uh it, it's pretty important to stop hell from taking over yeah, everything. Yeah. Very important, yes. So I'm showing uh Diablo two Lord of Destruction expansion set. Uh this was released uh on June twenty seventh, two thousand one, so about a year after the original game. Um, that's funny because nowadays it seems like I'm waiting three years for an expansion to StarCraft. So <laughs> I think uh, uh, Blizzard's slowing down. Uh, okay, cool. Blizzard's getting you know a little pokey in their old age. I just I'm I'm like why does it got take so long between StarCraft expansions? Why? I'm getting old and gray here, waiting for the Protoss storyline to come out. <laughs> But have I digress. They the, have they done the first expansion yet? Yes. Yeah, I got the, okay. I got the, I got it, and it's awesome. And I got through it. I'm like, okay, where's the next one? Oh yeah, it took this one three years to come out. Probably take three years for the next one. Okay, we digress. So um, this is not the Blizzard cast. This is the Diablo cast. So it sounds like, especially when we put these two together, it sounds like the story has uh, become much uh, more intricate than the first. It's somewhat intricate. It's so fairly straightforward. It's more. It's it's longer, I guess. It's more involved. You you travel to more you you actually travel more places. You just don't you know you're not in one dungeon. You go to outdoor areas and such, which weren't in the first one. 
Yeah, it feels a lot more like an epic adventure instead of just uh, yeah dungeon crawl. Dig, digging, yeah, instead of a dungeon crawl. Even though gameplay wise, it's still very much a dungeon crawl, but in, uh, presented in a much more interesting way. Alrighty, and so more characters. Ahead. Yes, more characters. More I was about to say, let's jump over. Uh, let's go ahead and jump over to uh, those character classes. What do we have to choose from now? Because back then we only had three classes plus one with the expansion. Yep. What do we get with these games? Well, you had the barbarian, which was the big melee class, only melee. You could. Uh, he was the only one that could dual wield. I remember that, and you could use two handers, and you could you know leap around. He had rage. He would you, know, you could two hand uh, dual wield and. Yeah, he, you know, he basically had skills what you'd expect. You know, uh, I think he had shouts and and uh, you know used rage and uh, trying to whirlwind. I know he had that. He had the leap. So he was your your typical in your face melee class. Um, There's a sorceress, which was a lot like the wizard from the first one. Um, she. Uh, it's, Basically, you had your elemental spells and uh, mostly offensive kind of, you know, just blasting with fireballs and, you know, ice missiles and such. Uh, there was the paladin. I think I used the paladin the most. Uh, it was your melee class, and but there was also more of a, a tank and it had shield. You, you know, he could really u- utilize the shield. And uh, he was part of the group that defeated Leoric's armies in the, in the first game, right before the heroes got there in the first game. But they had been corrupted. Um, they are really good against the undead, and he had uh, auras, which could pump your allies up. Uh, the What else was there? The Necromancer. Um, he would basically... He, he wasn't as strong by himself, but you could summon a bunch of skeletons and you know, dead enemies to help fight for you. So he was kind of like the uh, the pet lord, if you want to call it that. And so you always had a bunch of skeletons and such running around. Then he could, you know, he, he would poison and debuff enemies a lot. Uh, and then you had the Amazon, which is really similar to the rogue in almost every way uh, from the first Diablo. Uh, but she could also use spears, I think. But she was mostly like the, the archer class. And... She chucked spears and had one too many boobs. <laughs> <laughs> and... Oh, wait, so she... Hmm? So she had just come from the total recall design team. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> no, no. She had two boobs, but they're only supposed to have one. Oh, okay. Because they got one off so they could throw spheres better. Huh. That's the uh, legend, anyway. Obviously, somebody figured it wouldn't play very well among the core audience. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's. Expansion. So these classes. Huh? Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, expansion classes too. Expansion. You had the assassin, which was really cool. Uh, I think I like the assassin the most of the expansion and the druid. The assassin, you know, he was a melee class basically that snuck around and uh, he'd do traps. And he, he was kind of like the monk, I guess, in a way too. He had some martial arts abilities, but uh, you, you know, uh, he had claws. He used claws that were new to the game and. Uh, stealthy type character. Then you had the druid, which uh, could, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory what a druid could do. But he'd shape shift and uh, you, you know, summon some, you know, wolves and such to help him out. I didn't uh, really play much of the druid. Well, let's be clear here. He can turn into a bear, which yeah. makes him the best class. <laughs> clearly, 
<laughs> or a werewolf, I think. Couldn't he be? Or is a werebear? Werebear, that's right. Yes. I didn't get altered beast flashbacks now. <laughs> <laughs> these uh, these classes certainly sound a lot more uh, a lot more interesting than the generic ones you kind of rambled off before with the first one. But Definitely. are they more fun to play? I think so. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. Tell me how they're more fun to play. It's much more please. specialized and different. Different, uh, and you could, you know, uh, I'm getting a little tired of playing this. You could start a different character and get a very different uh, fighting game experience with them. You could even play um, the same class and just that's true. Go with different abilities. Yeah, they each had basically had three trees you could put abilities into. Ah, so uh, before we talk about those abilities, so you definitely felt like when you picked, uh, you know, the barbarian or the paladin or the assassin, you actually felt like a barbarian and assassin, and the way that the clicky click 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 worked. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, a lot more skills to choose from as well, and. And I think that's important because I mean I've played plenty of action RPGs after Diablo where they give you. You know, different classes and stuff, and hey, I'll even throw this out there about Torchlight, especially the original one. It it just felt like, yeah, there's these classes to pick from, but ultimately, yeah, they've got some different skills and stuff, but they don't feel different. You know, at the end of the day, they just kind of all felt like click fest, you know? I I still think they feel different. I mean, the the barbarian jumps around in your face, uh, spins around, you know, attack, then you have the... uh, necromancer where he just summons his armies around him you feel like you have all these skeletons fighting with you and he's got his spells and then you have the assassin that you know yeah they, they all definitely play different you uh, you can do you approached encounters a lot different depending on which class you were i think and, and yeah. that's that's a very uh, that's a very satisfying um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a very satisfying experience, and I get that with Diablo 3 as well. I think that's the cool thing about Diablo 3 is I'll switch between the classes, and definitely the monk plays and feels completely different than a barbarian. I mean, barbarian, I'm just jumping in and charging and killing crap. But when I play my wizard, I'm standing back, I'm doing magical effects. feels totally different. So, uh, all right, so let's talk about that skill system you brought up. So I've... <laughs> so skill system as you level up you get to pick pick skills right yep tell me yep. a little bit more about that well Please. early on you pick skills and you could go into each of the trees and as the further you got into a certain tree uh you would unlock skills so obviously you just couldn't pick any skill it was a tiered system so uh so if you wanted to be really good in one you'd specialize in that and you'd you could get to the most powerful at the bottom possibly but you'd then not have as much variability with any of the other trees so Obviously, at some point, there were optimum builds you could probably find online, but I bl- I know and up until a patch, you couldn't change your skills once you selected them, so you're kind of locked in. Well, will a patch change that? I believe so, right? Ooh, I'm going to Google that. Uh, because, and, and, and so that was, <laughs> that was kind of what was hard for me was I'd start playing, but I always kept worrying in the back of my head that, gosh, when I got choices and skills and I'm locked into them and I can't respect, so to speak, what happens if I go way down this road and it totally sucks at the end? How do I know that picking another point of the firewall spell versus, you know, saving up for Meteor at the end or whatever. You know, which one's really the better choice? I mean, how would I know back when I'm level 5 that at level 20 going down this path really kind of, you know, sucked because every monster has fire resistance, for example. 
but that's where FAQs come into handy, I suppose, or a, a lot of trial and error, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, 2000, the golden age of game facts. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What was your experience with that, with that concern, or did you not have that because you were just so awesome you picked the right thing the first time, yeah. John? Uh, <laughs> well, since I'm picking on John or Mike, anybody <laughs> wants to answer the question, feel free to jump well, I mean, in. I definitely ran into that issue, especially, I think calling with the uh, druid because I wanted all those cool abilities mm-hmm. um, but you know it never really stopped my enjoyment of the game I don't think I ever got to a point where it's like I, okay I, I this character sucks so much I can't continue but I mean there were definitely some instances where you get your uh, a character that just you know wasn't all that great um, but um yeah, never anything too horrible, I don't think. You could be locked into a bad build, and you couldn't really progress, progress further. Yeah. There, uh, there. I, I like with somebody. I, so I'm googling this for you, you know, to see what it is, and because uh, it, it was a selling point for me, anyways, back in the day. But uh, it says that somebody asked on a forum, "Where can I find the respect feature in Diablo 2? Another person responds replies it's on the character screen it says something like create new character or something similar (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that was obviously a joke there is a screenshot hopefully this is legitimate and not just um uh not just something someone's making to make more fun of me uh it looks like they're talking to somebody akara and there's an option to reset stat and skill points uh when talking to akira it says, uh, basically, another way to reset, um, you only get it once per difficulty, uh, whatever that means. Maybe it's once per run-through. Because you get through, so, I mean, once yeah. you beat the game once, you get to play at a higher difficulty, right? Is it yeah. like Diablo yeah. 3 originally was? Yeah. Yeah. So, to reset your character in Diablo 2, you have to do the quest Den of Evil given by Akara. You will only have one reset per difficulty after the quest each time. You can also reset a character by using a token, which is made by combining the essence of the main bosses of the game. Oh, okay. All right. So obviously they've eased that up just a tiny bit, which I think is is a breath of fresh air. Yeah, that would make it that would uh, I mean, even if it's just once in a blue moon, I understand wanting to keep a person. You know, you make these decisions, there should be consequences for them. But uh, but nice knowing that I if I put 40 hours into a character and it totally ends up not working in the harder difficulties that I'm just totally have to start over. So, well, it, but back in the day, that was yeah. awesome because you had nothing better to do. You couldn't really <laughs> test out what you might like. You know, you could just read a description. So, yeah, that sounds good. And you're like, oh, yeah, this really wasn't what I thought it was. It's not so good after all. <laughs> no, too, too late. You're already, you know, you're level 40 and you're stuck. So, yeah. OK. Yeah. That and that was that was for me. That was I, I started playing it for about a dozen hours and. The, every time I pick from and choose from the tree, I, I, I would just I get a knot in my stomach, and then I got the hit guide. So, uh, <laughs> um, but but by the was, time was it my, a Brady games guide? It was, which was already out of date by the time I bought it because they patched the game up so much. So yeah, um, cool, cool. Um, what about the uh, what about the size and the scope compared to the first one? As, as far as the game in itself, <laughs> much bigger, huge. Oh my god. Which is why I never made it through the swamp. That's as far as I ever got. Well, there's a that there's a whole bunch of things they had. they not only was the size bigger because you you explore these big open worlds now, but they also added a whole bunch of 
game mechanics in that, uh, you know, increased what you could do. You could have a little follower with you that uh, uh, helped you out. You, there was the Herodric Cube, which lets you synthesize items. So you, you had a kind of an item crafting system. Um, mm-hmm. What else? You had gems, which is uh, now a mainstay. You know, WoW had them and you know, the three has them, and it's been used where you'd socket your uh, equipment with gems to enhance their abilities uh, in a customized fashion. And again, I, I don't want to say that I'm the qualified expert on this subject, but I, I'm just struggling to think of any game that did the whole gem thing before that. Can it, you think of one, Becky? Becky. <laughs> uh, Becky no. knows everything, too. I mean, I well, guess Becky's, it's kind of Becky's, similar to Materia, maybe, in Final Fantasy. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Ooh, nice call. I was thinking PCs because I couldn't, you know, I wasn't even going to bother thinking about console games there, but you're right. Yeah, there you go, socketing Materia into your weapons in 7. Um, yeah, another thing that's just really considered, like you said, a mainstay to this day. Um, so that gave it a lot of depth. What about the let, let's talk about the loot system for a minute? I mean, that's obviously a big thing, right? Yeah, I think it stayed fairly similar to Diablo One. Obviously, more uh, variety of uh, weaponry and uh, more uh, armor. I think you could put more armor pieces on than you could in one. So, so you had the Heradric Cube. Yeah. All right. So let me clear. Okay. So so you get through the game once. You got this big, huge story game that's so big that Becky. Cunning Turkey hasn't even gone through the whole thing. It's so massive, right? Why in Scott's name, when I <laughs> this massive epic adventure, would I want to go through it again on a harder difficulty level? Better loot tables. And, and why do I care about this for? To make your oh. guy more and more powerful. Awesome. Yeah, challenge yourself with the harder difficulty. Yep. It would get it's so that you can brag to yourself that I'm uh, I'm even more awesome than I already was. Exactly. Right? Do uh do do this do the numbers just all get bigger or or are the items in the harder difficulty levels um, better in other ways as well? Well, they added you know they enhanced skills. They're much more diverse, I guess. And the enemies started getting, uh, I believe, uh, elemental immunities or, or or protections. So they got harder, but your loot got better. So that's that's where I would find out I suck when I put all those points into my fire spell and everything suddenly has fire resistance. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, do you get like, uh, you know, you talked a little about the crafting and the gymming and stuff. Does that come more into play in the higher difficulty levels? I would assume, well, yeah, because it didn't come in until, I think, end of the second act when you're first playing through it. So you technically play a few acts without really getting to use it, whereas once you're in the high difficulties, you're, you have it all the time. So, I'd say so. You get the better gym, you start unlocking the best gyms then too. But it's just, you know, it's more of a scale. You just It's kind of just keep scaling. Did y'all play this, uh, this one multiplayer a lot, or mostly single? Both. Both. Well, if you made the mistake and made your first character on an, uh, closed or oh. <laughs> well you basically there's a single player version where if you played it you couldn't use it online or anything but if you you really? can play single player through Battle.net online that was their way to try to stop cheating and uh, which didn't do anything and but then no. you could then your character could be played with others and by yourself hmm so the whole online thing didn't really stop cheating 
No. The online requirement. Rampant cheating. They, I remember they banned a bunch of accounts. Uh, you have duped items everywhere. People were selling, you know, items online. So basically you could, you know, or you have a bunch of people with bots that would farm, you know, the best weapons. So you, you know, each class basically there's a best set of equipment and weapon that you could probably go online and buy for a couple dollars and deck your guy out. If you're inclined to do so, or you know, trade with Blizzard, people. this sounds like the beginning of the microtransactions we're seeing now. Yeah, only not not sanctioned by the company. Right. Yeah. It was an epidemic, and it actually kind of killed the online play for me. All the cheating, unless you wanted to play with friends on a private game or something, or a local area network, maybe. That's all I ever did. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Well, I, I really tried playing solo, playing. but I never got through this one. <laughs> Battle net well, functionality with cheaters novelty. doesn't exactly turn me on. No, but it was. I mean, if you if you try to play in public games, it's all that was. And, you, and it got to the point to where if you wanted to compete and you know do all that, you had to. There's you know they had organized uh, ladder systems where you fight each other and and do all that, and you'd have rewards. And so when there's something on the line or your reputation's on the line, cheating will happen. Yeah. It's basically, yeah, it makes sense. Spam bots started happening. It's kind of like it. It was you know it's like an MMO light sort of. So all those issues that you have in those was basically in Diablo. And you know what? I mean that's a that's another thing that it helped to start because I'm playing uh, <laughs> Final Fantasy 14 online right now and I keep getting spam. Hey, we'll give you golden items. Just come and give us a few bucks over here. Wink, wink. And they've, they've gotten so inventive, too. In Wildstar, they invite people to arena teams, and it's hard to figure out how to get off one once you're on one, so they just sit there and, like, spam ads at you. No, no. <laughs> if you're stupid enough to accept. This may be a free tip for players of Wildstar. <laughs> Don't join a random arena team. Oh, and you, there's also, I forgot about the loot, you could get uh, set... Uh, armor sets, basically. Ah, uh, yes, sets. Yeah, so that was kind of the cool thing. You, you'd get a set, and uh, every couple pieces of that set you acquired would give you a set bonus. So those are always some, and you know, they'd look uh, really cool and unique. So you always kind of wanted to get a set if you could. It was, it was fun trying to track those down. Yeah, yeah and that's and gone through in pretty... a lot of games, too. Yep. Oh, yeah. And those could get pretty difficult to track down, so... I mean, you could see a, a, so much of Diablo 2's loot and itemization system in World of Warcraft, even. Oh, yeah. All the, you know, oh, yeah. There's like a direct, you know, take on it, and they, they went with it there. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is coming from somebody who didn't get far enough in Diablo 2 to, to really speak firsthand about these things, but just, and I've read so many articles and I've done so much research, it, it just seems like so many games tried afterwards to replicate just not even Diablo as a whole. That would just be too massive for anybody to actually be successful on on the first attempt. But even just something like their loot table. I mean, the loot table is just so well done. That, I mean, I've seen other action RPGs that don't even come close to giving that sense of satisfaction or the character, the way the classes felt so solid. I mean, just take any one of these elements that we've been praising about, uh, and, and it just seems like Diablo 2 did them so well, correct me if I'm wrong, that others struggle just to try to replicate even one of these characteristics and had a tough time. If uh, imitation is a, is a, is flattery, then Diablo 2 should be very flattered. Uh, yeah. When, oh, go the ahead. Game was, the game was definitely, like, superbly balanced for the time. 
just yeah, every every aspect about it. Now I'm going to save uh, I'm going to save any further comparison with uh, games uh, future and past for uh, after we've spoken about the third game. But uh, do y'all have any more specific topics or th- characteristics you wish to speak about regarding Diablo 2? Uh, just that the uh, visual design was really great. You know, the distinct character of each of the different areas. I think it was interesting how you said it was like a you know a big big open area too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had the big open areas as well as the dungeons, which made the world feel much bigger. Yeah. Also, there was a secret cow level. You can't. Forget yes, that. The, the secret cow level was awesome. But yeah, there's always yeah. rumors they had it in the first, and then they actually didn't, and then they, as a joke, I guess they put it in the second one. Well, had the I, best sound effects ever. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the one that would wander around going, moo, 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 moo. <laughs> They'd obviously just recorded some guy in the office going, moo, moo, moo. For the uninitiated, what do you do in the secret cow level? Kill murderous cows. Okay. Yep. <laughs> it's the secret cow level. For all I knew, you had to protect cows. That's good to know. <laughs> The, here, here's going to blow your mind, uh, Mr. Minky. The secret cow level is considered one of gaming's top ten Easter eggs, according to IGN, mm-hmm. the expert in all top ten lists on the internet. That's very, very true. All right. You can tell that my IGN expertise is lacking. Mm-hmm. What's, what's funny is uh, one of the cheat codes, I think, for StarCraft was actually there is no cow level. It is. Diablo. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, uh, many I, a young I do have one other follow-up. <laughs> Similarly to the first one, how much time do you think you spent with Diablo 2 overall? A couple hundred hours, probably. I'm glad there wasn't a time clock. I'm just going to say that. So if, your best guess, and we can round off to the next to the nearest 20. How's that? Uh, north of 200 hours, for sure. Okay. I'm going to guess you did not come up anywhere near that total, right, Becky? Uh, nope. <laughs> my my husband managed to log quite a few hours. He, he he was having fun modding it. Like he had a mod that would turn everything into a boss, and one that would turn every level into the secret cow level and stuff like that. <laughs> he just couldn't get enough killing of cows, eh? Yep. So uh, uh, you know, I, I joked about it a little bit at the beginning, but uh, do any of y'all want to talk about hardcore mode? I never played uh, hardcore, but I know basically it, it was more difficult, and if you died, you you're done. Yeah, hardcore mode was uh, you know usually most games again can't speak as an expert, but it's usually you got one life to live, and when you're dead, you're dead, and there's no responding. You get to start over, but you get to beat on your chest and say, "Hey, I got up to level 18 or whatever." It's like a high score. I got up you know this far in the game without. You know, before I died, and in most of those games with a hardcore mode, and this is something you saw a lot in roguelikes, uh, there would be like a memorial screen <laughs> where you, <laughs> you would see you would see a list of your hardcore characters and what level they made it to and what they were killed by, and you could you know you could send that to your friends or show it to them or whatever. So uh, I take it though, none of y'all decide to get very much into that culture. I did the not, culture. but I know nope. it did have its own following. I was way too scared to try that. That is crazy. All righty. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, uh, you know, I'll talk a little bit more about that in Diablo 3. So anything else uh, Anything else for y'all for, for Diablo 2? 
music was uh, good again and, and much more uh, varied in as far as track selection. So we have more tracks than you can count on one hand. A lot of amb- uh, ambience and uh, mood setting, and you know, uh, it really I think it helped enhance some of the locations. And... The secret level had mood setting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Ha ha! <laughs> if my father ever listens to this, he will appreciate it. <laughs> he loves puns. All righty. Well, well, I guess we'll take a another uh, time. I know both of these games. Oh, I'm not even gonna look up the prices. Uh, last time I checked, off the top of my head, they were about fifteen, possibly twenty dollars at Blizzard.net. If you don't already have a copy of it lying oh, around, oh, what if somewhere. you want to what if you want to rummage around on eBay for a physical copy? Don't. No, don't. No, it's the twenty first <laughs> century. Yeah, good luck trying to get that to run. Much less patch it up. No, get it from Blizzard. It'll already be pre-patched to work on your latest Windows machine, which you will well, you will appreciate because uh, getting some of these old games to work on Windows seven and eight is a lot of fun. Well, so Phil, there is a nice touch if you actually have own a physical copy. You can actually uh, log on to your Battle.net account. Enter your CD keys, and boom, you got a digital copy. There you go. Knock yourself out. Yep. But buy it on eBay, and you don't know if they already redeemed that code. Yeah, that's... Mm. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. You I like your own risk. Run that risk. Um, or, uh, yeah, Collector's Edition, Diablo 3. Awesome stuff. Alrighty. Anything else? No? No, no, no. If you haven't played it, play it. Please still still a fun game to play it, it's so it's so fundamental and, and we'll touch a, bit, a little bit more on this when we talk about Diablo 3 but it's just it, it, it really paved the way for so many games that have come after it um, and by many even with with Diablo the very excellent Diablo 3 there are so many people that still say Diablo 2 is the best action RPG there is was and may ever will be uh, it's just that well done. You know, I think it has a better legacy than it, you know. It originally came out, I think, most of the review scores in the mid eights, which it, you know, it's not no slouch. But for a game, you think of Diablo two is like, oh, that's like you know, nine point five or a ten or something. But I think its legacy is uh, much grander than its initial you know uh, response. Would, wouldn't you guys say? At least critically. Absolutely. Yeah, because. Absolutely. Because, uh, you know, so many have come after it and have fallen short, and you just keep going back to the original. Um, it's just, it's even even Blizzard with, uh, well, you know, we'll save that for Diablo 3 talk. <laughs> I, I keep wanting to go there. Keep biting off my tongue. Bad me, bad. All right, we, we better save you from blood loss. Let's, uh, let's move on. Sounds like it's that time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll be right back after these musical selections. Ready to talk about Diablo 3, the last game 
in the well, it's not really a Diablo trilogy, but we're gonna call it a trilogy because there's three of them that have come out. Uh, Diablo three was developed and published by Blizzard Entertainment, released on Microsoft Windows, OS X, PlayStation three, Xbox three hundred and sixty, PlayStation four in the future, and Xbox Xbone. The Expo. I'm gonna call it the Expo because that's that's what I do, um, along with a lot of other people. Anyways, don't give re- it to a dog. <laughs> released originally on May 15th, 2012. Uh, not too long ago on the PlayStation 3, September 3rd, 2013, and coming soon on August 19th, 2014, to the next generation consoles. And now they're calling it the current generation consoles. This is another action dungeon crawling, hack and slash, role playing, online, single player, multiplayer experience coming to you on DVD, D, digital download, and Blu ray disc. <sighs> hey, how are we allowed to talk about this game yet? It's not two years old. Uh, yeah, the original no, release is two years old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, can we talk about the expansion, though? No, no. Can we talk, can we talk about the console about the version? Game. No, no, no. We're talking about the original. So, we can't talk well, about the expansion. We're, we're no, we're going to have an expansion backtrack. Bad. We can use discretion. We can use discretion. There we go. Honestly, how much of a plot is there to spoil in Diablo 3? Okay, Reaper of Souls was so deep. Oh my gosh. I had to play it like three times just to wrap my head around that plot. Well, the act was actually pretty large. Yeah. Yeah, it was like half the original game. It was huge. Uh, that's because the original game was so short, actually. Anywho, uh, so, uh, Diablo 3. Let's just get, let's get the, uh, pink elephant out of the room right here and now. Online requirement for a game that has a strong single-player component sucks! And I went out like many other people. I bought this game and I installed it and it didn't work because they were having online problems. Admittedly, they took care of them kind of quick. But even then, once I got it up and running, it wasn't unusual for me to have weird lags and disconnects and all kinds of little issues. And it sucks. So, oh, and heaven forbid you were trying to log into a maintenance period or patching period or whatever the hell. It Bill, sucks. I'm so funny, funny story. While we were talking about Diablo 2, I was trying to log in and couldn't get into Diablo 3 because of maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> it's down for maintenance. <laughs> it's Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, come on, Blizzard. Really? That has, I mean... Holy okay, it, this, is, this serves as a public advisory to everyone listening. If you want to play Diablo 3... Don't count on doing it Tuesday nights. Well, if you want to play Diablo 3 without having to worry about that, get it on console. Yeah, get it get on There you go. <laughs> yeah, I can't play Diablo on console. It would, it would kill my soul. They, they just <laughs> How do you play it without clicking? No, no. You, you press yeah. buttons a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, you, you mash it. I guess it would be X. Mash X. They did. They. It was interesting. Um, there was a couple of things that they did better with the with the console version when finally. I guess they had another year to work on it, but uh, getting rid of the auction house early on was a good one. Uh, that's a that's another conversation. But yeah, the whole online requirement thing just made me want to pull up my eyeball, stick it on a stick, and it was. It was the target of a lot of online angst as well as jokes and all kinds of other stuff for, for quite some time. It was, but I also don't mind it that much, to be honest. Once once, once they got over that, then sure. But when I pay $60 on release day – actually, more than 60 I bought the collector's edition. It was just close to 100 When I paid three digits for a game on release date, I expect it to work. I don't think that's a I, – I don't think that's a really big expectation. Out of an MMO, I think we, we kind of – and I don't even know if that's super great, but I – I know we kind of understand with an MMO on release day, there's going to be some hiccups. Uh, we've come to expect that as gamers. But when that starts creeping into our largely single-player games, 
and I understand for, for some people, oh, you know, this game was all about online player, land player, whatever have you. But for other people, it was single player. For sure. I don't think it has. I don't think it has land play, does it? No, it does no, no. But I mean the older versions. I'm just, yeah. you know, I. Yeah. Just, yeah. It, I have it, some it, friends who refuse to play it because they can't play it land. But I don't know. I I was I've played a lot of MMOs, so it. it yeah, you just kind of. I you treat know. it like an MMO, kind of. Yeah, and I mean, once you get over it, it is integrated well, and I think that's the the, the part that doesn't get enough praise. Yeah. It is cool that I go on there and hey, I see. You know, eight. You know, three of my friends are online. I can jump right in their games. They can jump right in mine. Uh, that does help create a lot more multiplayer um, cup, or whatever it's called, running or whatever than than I would normally have the old-fashioned way where you have to like, you know, arrange something with somebody aside. I, I got a lot of games where I've got co-op and multiplayer online available, but it doesn't happen nearly as often as it does in Diablo, where I can just see that they're online i'm online we can just jump into each other's game and have a good time yeah, so. the in and out integration wow. is awesome on it and i also love the loot chest that's transferable in all your characters and it's online you get on you swap it around there's less cheating and item duping and all that so while there are some negatives i think the game being able to design the game around a always online type situ- uh, setup is also uh, has its benefits Harris. Yeah, I mean, it definitely improved the online. <laughs> Being always online, they definitely improved the online experience compared to Diablo 2. I'll tell you, well, I'll make my point after we talk about the other big Fupon that has to do with the auction house. Who wants to talk about the auction house since I talked about the online component? Well, the auction uh. house, I think, wasn't necessarily a bad idea in theory in some ways, where as if they're going to do it anyway... Let's try to control it and, and mitigate it somehow, you know, and, and make it more official. What's it? The auction house. Clarify. The, no, but you're saying they're trying to the mitigate The selling it. of items and gold online. Thank you. And so if they could maybe get involved with it, it wouldn't be as, you know, you would maybe avoid some of the issues you had in Diablo 2, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the only problem is when they did the auction house, they created loot tables and they factored that into the game and how you got your loot to where it was almost impossible to beat the game on higher difficulties unless you use the auction house. That was their big mistake in my mind is that they, they made using the auction house, not really an option at higher difficulties. If you wanted to keep playing, it was a necessity for your character to survive. And why, why, why should that bother, you know, the average gamer, John, why does that take away from they the experience? They want the, the they want to receive all of their in game accolades in the game and not have to play you know, pay externally for it, which should just be an option, I think. Not a yeah. not built into the way the and, game and, is balanced. And, and, exactly. And and my perspective would be that, you know, Diablo has been about that loot drop, right? You can yep. go in, you can kill a boss and you always have that small, small chance that something really, really awesome is going to fall off and totally change the way you play your character. But with the auction house, as you were saying, it really forced people to use that mechanic. So it started to feel more like a grind. I had to save up X amount of gold so that I could buy this item, which feels more like an MMO, rather than, yeah, I've got a, a chance, you know, how small it is, that this really awesome item is just going to, you know, drop, and I'm just going to keep farming it till that drops. Well, basically, you wanted to get an awesome item to drop for you, and you could go sell it, and then use that money to buy another awesome item. Oh, that worked. Probably worked, too. <laughs> <laughs> but start to feel, definitely start to feel more like, uh, you know, like you had to grind up money and gold. 
the big yeah, so the big mistake was putting balancing the fact that they assumed you'd use the auction house, so they balanced it accordingly. So those who didn't want to use the auction house were punished. Mm. <clears throat> but they fixed it. They fixed it. Yeah. Um, cool. So, and now here comes to my point. So the online connectivity originally sucked. We're gonna we're gonna bring in some other issues probably as we discuss uh, Diablo three, especially in its original form. But here's one thing about Blizzard boys and girls: usually, most of the time, Blizzard gets things right. But when they don't, and there were some misses with StarCraft as well. But when they don't, you can you can you can believe they're gonna invest the capital and take the time to eventually get it right. Oh and, yeah. And the Diablo today, we're gonna talk about that afterwards. But Diablo today is awesome. Um, these concerns that we're bringing up, we're discussing in its original form, but a lot of them have been addressed. All on connectivity, patching times aside on Tuesday nights. Um, <laughs> generally, I very rarely have problems. The game runs really smooth. The online, the friend thing, uh, you know, I, I agree that nowadays I would be on board with the opinion that the the occasional inconvenience caused by the online requirement is offset by the you know the the additional fun that I have with the ease of grouping and communicating with my other friends that are in BattleNet. That is uh, a fair. You know, the, the, if you give us if you give gamer a trade off for the inconveniences, they'll generally get on board. That's why people put up with Steam. Steam sucks. Steam is DRM, <laughs> but people love Steam because Steam gives them kick ass sales and gives them value for that inconvenience. So. Yeah, Blizzard finally did that because originally it's like well, you're kind of forcing this down my throat, and I'm not seeing the trade-off. They well, didn't do a great job selling it. The integrated loot uh, chest across your account is also awesome. Yeah, that that before that's... it was okay. Get your friend on, pass the item to your friend. Okay, let me go log in my other character, trade it back to my guy. Which, by the way, <laughs> it's been a system used in just about every MMO before World of Warcraft. Yeah. So it isn't just yeah, yeah. Anywho, um. All right, so we talked uh, We talked about some of those initial launch issues or whatever. Have you. Okay, well, let's talk about the story now that we got the, the, the pink elephants out of the room. Talking about <laughs> uh, – I hate talking about story, so who wants to talk about story? I guess I can finish it off. All right. This one's it. actually much more fresh in my mind, so you get your pick out of one of five characters. Yeah. And you start off in Tristram or – the outskirts of Tristram, basically near near where the first game was located, and you uh, you have to go rescue Decker Kane in the basically the same monastery. Uh, you fight King Leoric again. You rescue Kane, and then there's some. Actually, you're, what you first investigate is a streaking comet-like thing that crashes down from the sky, and uh, you encounter uh, Adria's daughter. Uh, Leah, and she's uh, help running an inn in town, and uh, so sorry. Yeah, you go into the the monastery. You're helping this town. They're being attacked by undead. Uh, Leah accompanies you. You investigate the thing that crashed from the sky. You find out it's uh, Tyrael. He's become human, and he was cast out of heaven to come help the humans. Um, you then have this witch named Magda that comes in and tries to uh, help you put together Leoric's sword. Is that was that whose sword it was? You put together a sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That sounds very familiar. If it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
you put that together and only someone like Kane could do it to his, with his heroic power and he puts the sword together and is killed by Magda. So the big mainstay NPC of the series is now dead. So let's all cry a little bit for Kane. Um, so then you go down through uh, the Oryx Old Manor. You go down in the hell, or not hell, but like a, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, I forgot what it's called. It's similar. It looks like hell, basically, from the first Diablo. And you fight the butcher again. Though he doesn't really say his cool fresh meat thing anymore. Um, he has other little quips he does that are similar. But you, you kill him, and then you go to the desert, basically kind of similar to Diablo 2. I'm trying to think of this day. I know all these names, and now when I start talking about the story, I forget the name of the desert and the area. And the uh... all right, well, uh, no, I was wrong. It was it wasn't Leoric's sword. It was uh, Tyrael's sword. You had to get uh, Cain to reassemble. And um, the desert area you go to is Caldium, city of Caldium. Uh, and you're basically chasing Magda, who killed uh, Cain. Um, you help some of the locals there. You can tell uh, there's an, a kid emperor, and he's acting a little funny. You find out he's being um, possessed by uh, who was it? it? Was a Bale? No, no, not Bale. That's Asmodon, right? Uh huh. No, or is that Asmodon the third? Who? Asmodon or As Asmodian? That's Asmodon. Okay, I've I've seen it. I've seen that name spelled several ways. Can I just say, I'm really glad I don't live in Blizzard World. Because <laughs> you cannot go ten feet in Blizzard's worlds without getting possessed or corrupted. Sorry, it's Belial. That's who it is. Yeah, if you don't get possessed or corrupted, then you're actually one of the million other citizens that will just probably die by the hands of a demon. So, you're, yeah, your life expectancy and uh, quality of life just sucks in these worlds it's crazy so yeah you, okay you basically go and you find magda you kill magda you uh go in the sewers under the town you uh need to get a uh the black health well actually you find adria again who you thought was dead and uh, which is leah's mom who's been accompanying you she's one of the main npcs in the story so you you find adria and you rescue her she then uh tells you about a black soul stone which is the way to stop the demons you you, you get all their soul stone you you trap their souls into the black soul stone and um you can contain them and she tells you there's this old wizard guy named zoltan cool who they basically imprisoned for him dabbling into the black arts and um you need to get him to help you out with the uh, to get the black soul stone so you go and you put together his body parts together and uh, he, he kind of, I think Adria resurrects him or, or unlocks him from his uh, eternal prison. And he his spirit kind of floats around and you, uh, you, he helps you a bit. And then he kind of says, oh, you're going to, you know, they're against you. Uh, join with me. We can become powerful. So, of course, you have to kill him. So you kill Zoltan Cool and uh, you get the Black Soul Stone. And then you, once you're at the Black Soul Stone, you figure out. It, the emperor is Belial, the demon, and you go to the palace and you fight Belial and kill him. Then you take his soul stone, or sorry, his soul and the black soul stone, and 
you know, the town of Chaldeum is freed from the you know evil oppression of Belial and his minions, these kind of serpent guys you fight a lot. And then uh, now you, then uh, Leah has a vision of Asmodan, and he is uh, attacking uh, Mount Ariad again, basically the place that was destroyed in Diablo two expansion with the World Stone. And they're in, so you travel to the barbarian area again in the snowy mountain type area crater now. Uh, so you go to Bastion's Keep, uh, Tyrael, Leah, and Adria, and the Black Soulstone are trying to kind of uh, keep the... They're fighting against the Black Soulstone to uh, keep its power in check, and you... Asmodon is... Uh, basically has the town you're in under siege, so you assist them uh, in defending, basically, the town from Asmodon's attacks and siege. Uh, you then you fight you know a few boss type characters again. Then you go and you attack uh, Asmodon in this tower. Uh, that's a pretty cool little location. Uh, so when you you know go through that, you kill Asmodan. You trap his uh, soul as well. And then that's when the big twist in the story plot comes when. Adria has been basically deceiving you the whole time, and she uh, she's been serving Diablo. She's actually had Leah is the daughter of Adria and the Dark Wanderer from the first game in the second game after he had stuck the Soul Stone in his head. So she's kind of like the daughter of Diablo already. Leah is, and she's got these uh, you know uh, arcane powers and. Uh, she sacrifices Leah, um, and the, basically Diablo. Leah becomes Diablo, and he takes over her. And then Diablo attacks uh, Heaven. So you, you know, he becomes the like the prime evil, and he, he attacks Heaven. There's some really cool cutscenes, and um, Imperius, like the big you know, the angel guy, fights him, and Diablo kind of gets the best of him. And the, basically, Hell's demons are invading Heaven, and you got to save the heaven from the demons and so hey, you kind of go back and forth between heaven and hell and through portals and such and then you fight diablo and you fight a bunch of diablo's minions uh, a bunch of demons and or fallen angels and then you finally encounter diablo and kill him okay i'm gonna get a little crass here so i apologize to becky um john mm-hmm. um aside from really 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 fat men have you ever seen guys with boobs no. Okay, so it's not Diablo, which is Spanish <laughs> for devil man type of thing. It's Diabla. <laughs> so that's oh what God. I. You said yeah. boobs. Yeah, I said boobs. Well, Diablo's got it. boobs because he took over Adria's bo- or no, Leah's that, body. That's what I'm saying. It's like it, it's got the female form. It's got boobs. It's like some sort of um, succubus demon woman chick looking thing that's as tall as a building. It's Diablo. Let's let's rule out something real fast. This was not a really 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 fat guy, right? No, no, it's okay. pretty much the female form. It's yeah, okay. yeah. Now there is like a Belzebub or whatever, or the Lord of, you know, isn't he Lord of the Flies? Lord of whatever, and he's got like big huge man boobs. Those look a lot different because they're just kind of flabby and they're there and they kind of look like boobs, but they just look disgusting. No, this is Diablo. It's pretty much female form. Obviously, he needed a bro. Remember Seinfeld? 
Hmm. Nope. Okay. Oh, the bro bra. Yeah, the, the, the bro bra. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, the one that his uh, father, uh, George's father, was trying to sell. Yep. Oh, that's too the, funny. The Kramer helped design. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So, anywho, yeah, my it's funny when my my uh, my father and I are playing. Uh, we call it Diablo. So, anywho, um, yeah, very deep story. Not so much. No, this is not going to win you over by its epic. St- the cutscenes are gorgeous as hell. Yeah. But dang, now I have you ever seen? I don't know. I guess it struck me as, damn, this is the most beautiful, gorgeous, generic story I've ever seen. Uh, it's generic, but it's grand, and it's ridiculous, but it's fitting. So, yeah, I don't mind it, but it's not. You know, it's one of those that like. I mean, see, you can see what's her name, the old Hagadina or whatever the hell her name. You, you saw that coming a mile away. Yeah. You're just looking at the hero guy, and you're like, you know who you're playing. You're like, really? You're gonna believe her? Really? Yeah, she's well, really got all of our best interests at heart. Sure, she does. Well, but Phil, kick her ass now and call it a day. Phil, <laughs> um, I haven't played all of Diablo three. I haven't really made it past the Act two. But if it's anything like Diablo two, I think kind of the point is just to add some flavor to your dungeon climbing yeah, rather yeah, than much. try and be anything awesome. But but, so, but it would be cool if they actually stuck a really awesome story along with a really awesome gameplay. Wouldn't that just well, be for right? sure? Absolutely, but I think for what it is, it does the yeah. job better yeah, no, than I mean, most games. Yeah, most yeah, games yeah. of this type. Yeah, we we should be clear here that were we leveling this complaint against, say, a visual novel, it would hold a lot more water than with a Diablo game, where yeah, you well, probably say, didn't go in expecting a narrative on par with what Homer wrote. <laughs> yeah, not to discount your point at all, though, but you no. know that they definitely could have a much better story in here no i would say that i can understand uh you know i was looking at adrian den alden's review that mr mickey has so lovingly linked for us in our little chat channel and uh he's given the game overall a five out of five um and this this and was based on the original release this version. was based on the original release version and but he gave the story a three and as we like to say that final score is not an average of all the sub scores this is definitely something you can look at the story and say yeah that was kind of hokey average whatever three out of five uh but still the experience overall doesn't really suffer for it because you know the game is about being an awesome click fest of kickassery which diablo 3 does very very well and hence why it gets its score um not everyone may agree with the five, but you certainly got to give it, you know, a good score. Um, okay, so, so but Blizzard cutscenes through and through, just absolutely. Oh my oh gosh, my God. just oh my gosh, awesome stuff. Um, all right, so we talked about the story. Let's talk about the classes, since we like to talk about those. There Boy. are five original. Yeah, five. One in the expansion. So. Uh, you know, I'll talk about these and give John just a little bit of breather. Or, or wait a minute, Mike. Oh, no, Mike's only played it for – what about Becky? Becky, have you played this one really good? She didn't play it nope. at all. Okay, cool. Okay, I just didn't want to feel like we aren't sharing the table here. <laughs> so um, five classes. It's pretty funny. I've actually played the, a game for once. Uh, <laughs> Barbarian, Wizard, Monk. Oh, uh, Ranger. I think it's Ranger, right? Is it like a – it's a Demon Hunter. hunter. Debra Hunter. Haha, ha, I knew there was a more official name. Something that sounds much cooler than Ranger, of course. And uh, Witch Doctor. And I think what really strikes me about each of these classes, it, when we when we first started jumping the game, I bought the game when it came out. 
And we mentioned the hiccups when it came up, but let's talk about what was good, even from the get-go, which was just how solid these classes felt. When you jump in and you play you know, a wizard, as I mentioned before, you're sitting back, you're shooting all these spells. They're colorful. They're beautiful. You're kiting because you are fragile. I don't care how good your armor is. But you do have some spells that can make you tougher temporarily, um, give you a global invulnerability, let's say, or at least you know higher resistance. Uh, you got spells to teleport you away. You got mirror image to throw out you know, duplicate things that the enemies will attack for a little bit while you make, make your getaway. You've got all these different element, you know, these things that make you feel wizardry. Whereas the barbarian, he just, you hit a button and he jumps in the air and he slams down the middle of the enemies. Like he expected barbarian raging to do. And he's just got like ground stomp and these attacks that make him feel big, heavy and powerful. And, and just watch him make you wait into combat. The monk is more of a finesse uh, melee fighter is still very uh, is able to to tank his own like the the like the barbarian but he's definitely more about being a little bit more mobile got some uh, got some special uh monk like zen uh, things that he can do, like heal himself and the such, but he's zipping around the battlefield. I mean, just each one of these feel really different. The witch doctor, which I only gotten into, like, it was the last class I really jumped into. He's ugly as sin. So I, in my family, we pick characters based on prettiness. Um, but the witch, so the witch doctor was the last one on the list. But man, he's just, his spells, he's a spellcaster as well. But he's kind of like the minion pet class. He's, uh, you know, he can he can bring up like demon nightmarish type of hounds, or pull up this gigantic hulking uh, gargantuan Frankenstein-looking creature that can help absorb and take hits for him. His classic attack is he throws out a whole the plague of frogs, where he'll just send out waves and waves of, of frogs that attack enemies that kind of blow up and explode on impact. But um, uh, but yeah, he still he feels completely different than than the wizard. He doesn't quite have those those quick getaways depending instead on his minions to absorb that damage while he kind of stays in the back instead of doing a lot of direct damage spells like the wizard would most of his are more like poison uh type of deals or or things that wear down the enemies it's it definitely flows a lot differently too it's just it's just not just mechanical it's just the way it feels each one of these classes just feel um so different from one another uh so it's really really cool now I will, I will interject some. If you're familiar with Diablo 2 and you haven't played Diablo 3, the Witch Doctor is the Necromancer. The Barbarian is actually just the Barbarian with some different skills. The Wizard is just like the Sorceress. The Monk is like a cross between the Paladin and the Assassin. And the Demon Hunter is basically the Rogue Amazon. So they they fill those same roles and they have a lot of the same skills and, and, and feel when you play them. So that gives you some familiarity. But... The way the skill system's done in this game make it different, right? And also, you you have more access to. Uh, sorry, you have access to more skills at once. Yeah. So, and then we talked about how in the original Diablo, your skills were pretty straightforward because you just got them at certain levels. In Diablo two, you have a skill tree that you can put points into, and it's kind of hard to reverse out of that. With pad, it was only available with patches. Originally, you were stuck in a skill. Once you picked a skill, you were stuck in it. Which, what Phil does, by the way, in those situations, he just doesn't spend any skill points. Because I'm afraid I'm going to put him into the wrong thing. I got that committer's remorse type of thing going on. But with Diablo 3, they totally went against that design decision. And now, you, as you open up skills, um, as you level up, you'll get runes that you can attach to the skills uh, that can make them differently. So, one, uh, normally, 
the witch doctor throws out his one of his main attacks to throw a bunch of little frogs. You can equip one room on it that you earn through leveling up, and instead of getting a bunch of tiny frogs, you get one big ass frog, a frog hemoth, and he swallows up the enemy, chomps on him for a bit, <laughs> and spits them back out. Either totally digested, or at least the enemy's taking some damage. Um, you might get um, you might just get a few frogs instead of a whole bunch of frogs. But these frogs, when they hit something, they restore mana type of thing. So each one of these. Uh, you can get up to like four or five runes with each skill and each one dynamically changes how that one skill feels. And you've got like on each character, you eventually unlock something like four skills plus your path. You get to unlock two or three passive skills as well. So I mean, there's so many different combinations, but the big design change here is that you can change them on a fly. As you're leveling up, you're going to want to experiment with different combinations of skills and runes to see what feels best. And you can change that at any time. And that's just liberating. That just feels fantastic. But the question is, okay, so here's the question for for you, John, who's played this, you know, probably more than I have, right? Um, Somebody who wants to be a naysayer, who's big in Diablo 2, says, you know what, Phil, with Diablo 2, though, when you put all this time into a character, you had to pick your skills carefully. If it didn't work out, you had to start over again type of thing. You were really invested in the character. How can you be invested when you can just switch anything on the fly? Uh, well, I, I can see that argument in some ways where, but I, I think overall ease of play and being able to, to, uh, you can really customize and really play around with the character a whole lot more in Diablo 3 to where you can try out all the skills and you can really play the character the way that you like to play the character the most. I mean, uh, depending, because you're limited to, what, four... Well, you're basically limited to six skill slots. Uh, usually, at one main attack, uh, whatever uh, secondary uh, mana type generator, and then other skills that use these resources. So, uh, I mean, you, you're invested in them. You get Paragon levels now, so that's one way to get invested with them. Once you get past 60, every level gives you extra stats that you can customize, and you have your loot that you get for your character. So, I, I know some some uh, negative points people make about it is that they don't like the skill system now. They, they like the, the more specialized skill system to where you kind of made your guy unique. Okay, so so here's Phil's advice for you people who are so cranky about the new system, can flip it all around, whatever, and you think that just sucks. What I want you to do is just never change your skills. You can play with your own restrictions, arbitrary restrictions, and have your fun. Don't let it interrupt my fun. Go ahead and you have your fun. Go ahead. <laughs> Never switch out your runes. Though. Once you pick it, you locked it in. It reminds me of those Pokemon. You always see people do this on Pokemon where they come up with these. I forget what the challenge is called, but they come up with these arbitrary restrictions. Like once you pick a Pokemon, you have to stick with that Pokemon. If he dies. The Nuzleaf challenge. The Nuzleaf. Thank you. The Nuzleaf challenge. So do your own version of the Nuzleaf challenge with Diablo. And and once you pick a rune, you're stuck with it for the rest of your character's career. Go ahead. Have fun. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I agree with. I, shall, I can't. Shall t- we wait and see just how many people report on the results of trying to do that? Yeah, right. If you've taken the nuzzle, nuzzle, whatever challenge for Diablo three, as described by Phil, leave your comments at board.rbgamer.com. Um, so you felt that this was a good change, Sean? I did. Yeah, overall for long term play and. I uh, like being able to – it lets you really get to try everything out without having to make new characters. So I liked it. What are some other gameplay changes from the previous iterations since you're familiar with all three? 
what are some other major contrasts between well, Diablo? The big one, which I also liked, uh, not only the skill system change, but the potion system. You don't spam potions anymore. You have a lot more self-healing with your attacks and your abilities. So you can do builds that really help heal yourself for solo play. Uh, so you, you have a, there's a, I think, 30-second cooldown timer for every potion you use. Mm-hmm. So that one's nice. Other things they did is you no longer have to pay to uh, identify items. You just know what they are when you get them. Uh, very, the special um, legendary items, you just have to right-click now to uh, see what they are. Um, town portal, you no longer need scrolls for town portals. You can just instantly do them and you know, do, you know, portal around as much as you want. That's uh, different from the first two games. Um, There's the uh, kind of the change to mana, where you're not really going to be using mana potions. It kind of just regenerates, so you're a lot freer to use your skills. I mean, I've only played as the wizard, um, but, you know, I've had so much fun just messing around with the skills. I haven't really found the need to try a different class yet, so um, it just, the, the small little changes there make, uh, make it for me feel like you, you're just freer to, you know, mess around with your character, use all the skills instead of having to just, you know, do what people often criticize Diablo for and just click, 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 click. You know, you can use all those cool skills, do control crowds, monsters. It's uh, uh, lots of small changes that make the bigger picture much better. Yeah, and your left-click attack basically generates... Uh, your resource like mana and such, and to where yes. all the other skills use that up. So it's a it's a balance back and forth of doing your regular attack, using your skills, and your regular attack, and then you know it, I, I'm simplifying it, but you kind of get the gist. And you will be running around a lot. Mm-hmm. You can't just stand still and outside of the easiest difficulty levels. You can't just stand still and click on things because yeah you can get killed really quick <laughs> um okay. also at least for the wizard uh he doesn't really have a regular attack you have like regular magic which is uh small but for me awesome touch for a wizard yeah it's well, not always... like a swing the staff attack it's your left yeah leg, it's your generating attack Exactly, which always bothers me in a lot of action RPGs where you're playing as a wizard and yet you have to run around and bash things with a staff. No, thank you. So Diablo 3 gets major points from me for doing the wizard right. Yeah, it just totally feels so much wizard. Yes, exactly. And, and you know, I think that's, I want to say it's my highest level class, which generally means that's the one I like the most. I've uh, been doing a lot of Demon Hunter as well lately, but the first class I did was also Wizard, and it's the class that I keep going back to because it's just a, it's a lot of fun. I do have to run around a lot more like a chicken with my head cut off uh, when I don't kill things fast enough, but uh, but boy, when it clicks, it clicks so well. Yeah, I have four max level guys right now, and the only, I think the Monk is in the 20s or 30s, and my Witch Doctor is like a level 10. So I've played with a lot. I have the Crusader up to max level 2 from the expansion. I've played a good chunk of the... I've played more Diablo 3 than I have 1 or 2. So you're so... um, Well, a couple things before I start doing the comparison, but is is there any other other main uh, contrast uh, that you want to point out between this and the other ones? 
the hot bar of skills. Yeah. Yeah, I will say, yeah, when you, when, you, when it first came out, like you mentioned before, there's four. So you got four skills attached to one, two, three, and four key, plus your primary attack and your secondary attack, which is usually on the left and right mouse button. So you got basically six skills that you're constantly changing runes on and you're using in battle. But originally, when the game first came out, a lot of us were like, well, the way the game is set up, the first skill is and i'm just throwing out some examples here but like the first skill might be um you know the way it's set up is uh is an area effect attack and the second one is a defensive spell and the third one is a utility spell and it seemed like when you want to switch those up well if you want to change key number three it can only be another utility spell you know once it was stuck in a group you could only pick from other groups so you couldn't really mix and match all your skills the way you wanted but it turns out that if you go into options it was it wasn't like hidden but it wasn't exactly jumping out at you either but there was an option to, that you could turn on in the game that allowed you to freeform pick whatever skills you want on each of the you know the the four keys plus the mouse and the the two mouse buttons so you could totally mix and match and totally make the character you know freeform the way you want so i, I don't know if they were you know changed that around or whatnot oh, same thing yeah saying still same thing so interesting little thought when somebody pointed that out to me i read it on the website i was like oh all right cool i can really mix and match these skills because sometimes i want two defensive skills on my character and other times i may just want to go all offense screw the defensive skills and you know and do that especially on the wizard where you would sometimes have like perma skills turned on because you got like the one buff the the one spell that get you know basically bumps up your dps by a lot um, but it's a pa- it almost feels like a passive thing, but it's an active spell, so it takes up a slot. So it's like a little thing that floats around you yeah. or your weapon or something. Anywho, um, anything else? No, well, it's also nice about the skill system is that you're not relegated to a role. So say you had a, a, a build in Diablo 2 where it's a good multiplayer class that helps buff your, your, uh, your party members or it does some, but now you're not, you don't do as much damage. And so you're going to not be very good if you're soloing. Well, if I'm soloing, I can change my skills around and my guy's going to fight like this. Well, if I'm in a group, I can change my skills around to be a good group uh, player depending on what my role is. Say if I'm not going to be the tank type, I can go all out damage dealing and not worry about dying. Whereas if I'm soloing, I probably want to put a lot more healing stuff on. I think that that kind of flexibility is really nice. Yeah, absolutely. Positively. Um, just totally agree with you 100%. Mm, Other than help. that, I think it mostly plays the same. Uh, it's the same kind of you know you you it's like riding the bike you, you get right back into it. I, I will point out that uh, th- that for the few of you that are into hardcore mode, I still I personally won't do hardcore mode on Diablo three. I've been tempted a couple times, but occasionally every once in a while I still have an internet hiccup, <laughs> and nothing would be worse than losing a level forty hardcore character because the internet froze for a second or you had a lag spike or whatever. And, and, and no, you don't get your character back if you had a lag spike. So that would be the only thing. But how many of us were really playing hardcore back in the old days? Were you, John? No, I never did the hardcore. I, uh, I've been really tempted to. But then I could just I know. see I, my character would die over something I did very stupidly. And then I'll be like, you know, I just wasted all that time. I mean, for me, it's the challenge of I, I I grew up playing like arcade games and stuff. And, and back in the day when when I was like uh, just a wee little lad, when you play video games, you knew you were going to die. When you play Space Invaders, Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, whatever, you were going to die. It didn't matter how much time you put in. Eventually, you would die. And it was really just a matter of getting that high score. 
um, and being able to brag to your friends about it. There was no saving the game, continuing later on. Uh, you know or- what you reminded me of by saying that you get one life and then it's over? I well, I never expected to, I never expected to think of this in connection to RPGs, but the Terminator 2 game they made for home consoles, that horrible thing where you had exactly one life and then when you died, it's all over. Well, that would be hardcore. Yeah, even Pac-Man wasn't that hardcore. You had a few Pac-Men to begin with. Um, anywho, it was so also I, more fun than that Terminator 2 game. A lot well, more fun. And I mean, the thing about those, <laughs> the thing about those games was when you died and you finally died and you got your high score, you could take total responsibility for it. Though I made that high score, I survived it this long. And if you died early or whatever, hey, it was your fault. You made a mistake. But yeah, in Diablo, I would like to be able to say, yeah, I got to level 40, whatever. It's yeah, and if I did, of course, I'm gonna pat myself on the back. But if I died early because of a lag spike rather than my own, you know, I jumped into that group of mobs and it got over my head and I made a poor decision. After yeah, that could be a little that could be a little crank inducing. Anywho, well, uh, well, Phil, what you got to do is pick up the PS4 version when it comes out. Uh huh. And play and, it on the hard and play hardcore mode on there, where you don't that, have to worry about getting you know what, that's, offline. That that that's actually if it's got a good hardcore offline mode, I, you know what, I wasn't gonna buy it because it basically is duplicating the same game, and I've already got those characters leveled up and stuff. But the idea of being able to play hardcore offline and not have to that might be worth it. I mean, I won't buy it at sixty bucks, but see it on sale for twenty or something just to have that extra hardcore mode. Huh? Thanks. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Uh, to me, playing Diablo with a controller would be like trying to write with my left hand or something. <laughs> you know, uh, you'd, you'd you think that. that. I, yeah, you I have played, to. I played it at PAX, the PS4 version, and yeah, I did too. It was, it was, it was great. I'll tell you, like, um, you know, I've been playing Final Fantasy 14, and I jumped on that on a console, and you know, that's another one where it's an MMO. I'm used to playing MMOs, you know, with the mouse and keyboard, but. You know, they, they did set up the controller pretty well. It, it is really difficult at first, but the more I play it, the more I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see this working. Well, not to mention we've played a lot of action RPGs since then, you know, on console too, like X-Men Legends and the such. Yeah, but... X-Men uh, Legends is a is a brawler at heart, though. I don't know uh, if I'm uh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, if you're playing Wolverine, but that's how much difference that than playing Gladiator. I mean, yeah, it just depends on what, which character you're playing. When I'm playing Cyclops, I'm back there shooting. Now, none of them are, you know, I'm not trying to compare X-Men Legends with Diablo 3 and, and sheer terms, I mean, in terms of sheer quality and stuff, Diablo 3 wins hands down. So I couldn't say for a fact that it's a direct analogy. I'd have to try it. I have to give it a shot, but I'm willing to have an open mind and give it a shot because, number one, I've played action RPGs. With, there's plenty of them I've got. I've got, like, at least eight, and I, you know, I've been doing that for years. And number two, yeah. 14, Final Fantasy 14. <laughs> Anywho, uh, okay. Um, oh, our... um, also that game looks amazing on PS4, FYI. Which one? Diablo 3. Ooh. Yeah, so, I might so have to, to go on sale, though. I'm not going to pay. You can fight the last of us enemies. Well, that and... Did you buy a PS4, Phil? I forget. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I forgot. So, all right. So, uh, a couple. So, we mentioned the expansion. It's kind of a little bit outside our scope at RPG Backtrack because it's a bit of a newer thing. But since it is piggybacking on a game that's two years old, I just want to make a couple of um, quick points and just just to say, expansion adds some new content, adds a new class. But the most important thing about the expansion, adventure mode. even more awesome with adventure mode. Yes, I, I think that's a huge difference. Also, you know, between 
you know, Diablo three and the previous Diablos with the expansion. Uh, John, why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit what is adventure mode and why is it kick ass awesome? It's more of a, a quest, but you don't have to keep going through the same story progression over and over. You go to an area. There's five quests or bounties around the map, and uh, you know one is okay. Go kill this elite mob, or go kill Diablo, or go kill Magda, or go clear this cave and kill every enemy in the cave and you basically do the five quests you come back you get a bunch of extra experience and you get uh, extra loot so you get more loot faster basically in adventure mode and you don't have to go through all the story stuff and the, you can kind of jump around and it it doesn't when you when you talk about it it doesn't sound like oh yeah that's not but when you actually play it it's it's, it's very uh, satisfying it, it it is it is uh, it is is totally cool. When the game first when when Diablo first came out, they did a, uh, a couple things that didn't make it super awesome. One was you start off in kind of playing a normal normal what was called normal, which was kind of easy. You got through the storyline every time, and then you'd get to a hard mode, which was the higher levels, and it was actually more difficult to play. And then eventually you go to like nightmare or hell or whatever. But you're playing the same story over and over again. And heaven help you if you're like me, you're an altaholic and you start a new character to try the new classes because then you have to start on easy, boring, normal mode with the boring the story that's quickly becoming boring. And it starts to become a little mundane. I mean, now you can kind of escape past a lot of those cutscenes and stuff, but you're going, you're going, you know, through the same scene after the same scene, say after the same scene. And Diablo 2 is really known, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, because I didn't put that much time into it, but wasn't Diablo 2 known for the random? of its dungeons yeah that that is another thing i did forget about diablo 3 uh, as opposed to diablo 2 diablo 2's dungeons were much more randomly generated than diablo 3 diablo 3 uh a lot of the maps were the same or mm -hmm. they're very there's only small variations to each one where diablo 2 they could look completely different with only similar landmarks and story events involved so that's it's, one thing I kind of miss somewhat from the other Diablos is the, the more random dungeons and environments. Right, and that's what kind of made – on multiple run-throughs, just, it just made the game feel more and more repetitious on top of the other factors. But with adventure mode, um, admittedly uh, – well, sometimes well, you're still going into those same environments, but there's, there's also other – you know, some, sometimes in adventure mode, I find myself in, in places that seem more random. Certainly, the monsters are much more randomized. Well, not necessarily in adventure mode. It's not. It's just when you do rifts, they rifts. Are. Oh yeah, yeah. So when so you go into the well, uh, a rift is like a little portal where you, you there's an enemy kill counter. So you just go in and you kill a bunch of enemies, and once the enemy you kill enough enemies, the rift lord comes out and. He's like a super boss that usually drops better loot. I think his loot table is better. And you just so – but the environments you go into are basically taken from the various levels, but they're not the same maps. They're more randomly generated – or maybe it's not randomly generated, but there's a lot more variation. So you go in areas and they, you know, there's really huge wide open areas. There's uh, small narrow corridors uh, and that will mix match enemies together that you normally don't fight together. So you'll have – some enemies from Act 4 along with some enemies from Act 1 and Act 2, and they're all kind of hodgepodge smashed together that you fight. So, In a way, you get uh, – to open up a rift, you got to earn tokens or whatever the hell they're called, and you get those by playing adventure mode. Right. So uh, on top of that – well, in adventure mode too, um, every – yeah, you gotta when you're in adventure mode, you'll you'll pick which act of the game you want to do your adventures in, and one of the acts has extra rewards. So I'll usually go for that one. And when you complete all of the missions in that particular act in adventure mode, which is usually five a day or whatever, then you get bonus crap. You get a little chest full of bonus items. This is a little perk. 
helps to encourage you on. But if you just do one or two missions, you're still going to get some some decent reward and stuff. And that's the other thing about Adventure Mode. You can jump in, click, clear a quick thing or two, and get back out. Save up your tokens, and when your friends are online, you generally want to do rifts together. Um, you get plenty of tokens. Makes so it go by much feel. faster when you're friends. But yeah, it goes by a lot faster when grinding through the kill counter, as you put it. And then when you get to that boss at the end... Because Diablo, one of the big differences between Diablo 3 and at least number 1 from what you guys are saying is that your loot is instanced. <laughs> when that, you yeah, oh, yeah, that is another thing to bring up. Yeah. yeah. You, your, your loot is your loot. So before That's right. loot dropped, whoever picked it up the fastest got it. But now everyone gets their own loot. That's right. When Belzebub dies, you get your own Belzebub guts. And no one else can touch his guts. And I can't roleplay anymore. And you can't role play a thief anymore. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's an Sorry, thing Diablo 3. I only that... did that to my friends because I love them so much. How long did they stay your friends? <laughs> They're still my friends. Okay. You never know. There are some people who might have responded badly to that. <laughs> so I have told – I've had a number of friends who got on Diablo and – and at some point, you know, when it first came out, and at some point got bored of it, jumped out, whatever the deal is, this expansion totally revitalized the game for me. I, I, I stayed, yeah, I was in it for about two months, got a couple of characters uh, close to max level. I don't even think I got any of them to max level before the expansion. Uh, but with the expansion, I've now gotten the, the level cap went up to 70 or whatever it is. And I've gotten two characters all the way up to that 70. I'm close to a third one. Plus, I'm earning uh, those extra, whatever they're called. What were they called again? Hero levels or whatever? Paragon levels. Paragon levels. Because it's just that much fun. I want to keep playing. Uh, the loot is so much better now with the expansion as well. So since they got rid of the auction house, um, you get better drops. And you, you just get more satisfaction through each run through. And that's, uh, another thing I'll point out real quickly. I know we got to wrap this up. But um, – and I don't know. I think this is an expansion thing, but I'm not sure. But one thing I've noticed is that uh, some of the rare uh, weapons and armor that drop have very unique qualities about them. Like one yeah. weapon I picked up, uh, whenever I swing, it's got a 10% chance that a ghost will pop out and start attacking my enemies. And when that procs, it's really neat. Or I've got uh, some boots that as I'm running around, it's laying down a stream of lava. And that's very unique about those boots. Uh, that I probably will never see again or only see maybe one other time or whatever. It's just a rare thing. And everyone sees it, and they're like, damn, what's that lava thing that's following you? And I explain, hey, it's for my boots, and I'll link them the item so they can see. And they're like, damn, that's cool. That makes you unique. You know, so the loot again has gone back to making you feel unique again. Well, no more auction house, and now these legendary loot that you get uh, are bind to your, bound to your account, so you can't cheat and sell them around, so... Yeah, so take that, loot seller people. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, uh, so uh, it sounds like, John, that you agree with me that Diablo 3 is totally kick butt more awesome than the other ones? Uh, I respect Not that they don't have their place, because they absolutely have their place. I respect Diablo 2 for what it was, and, and I enjoyed it, but I probably couldn't go back to playing it after the conveniences and nice things 3 has. Yeah, no, true. I think it's it would be a good idea at some point if you're a retro gaming freak, which you should be if you're listening to this podcast, maybe go back and play uh, one and two and appreciate them for what they what they did. And gosh, I, you know, we could just talk for another hour. We we didn't even go too deep into just how many other things Diablo two laid out. 
that is still we can't, you know, uh, we, all of our podcasts today. cannot go into the same depth that we did for Disgaea. <laughs> yeah, we can't have an error to say a podcast. Well, told and the other, the only thing Diablo three lacks that the other two, or even definitely the first one, have is that atmosphere. It, it it's not quite the same. So that's just probably big one big drawback. I mean, it's got hints of it, but it's just not the same to me. I don't know. Is it because of the rainbow pony colors? Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So in those rifts, not only do you get like random environments, but you get totally random enemies. And the other day, my wife and I were playing. And what was it? It was a bunch of rainbow bunny rabbits and unicorn crap with flowers that were attacking. You've never been to Whimsy Chair? Oh, I I can't say I have. No, you get it. There's a quest in the game. You you get a staff and you assemble the staff and you go talk to the mad cow king in the first act. He opens up a portal to Whimsyshire, which is a rainbow land, and you kill teddy bears, flowers, and unicorns. Oh, I, I missed out, but yeah. I got it in Riftland. Well, I have the staff, and well, it's all together. So if you go, yeah, it can randomly spawn as one of your rift areas. Sometimes though, you'll have the 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 bunny or the uh, not the bunny, the the teddy bears and the unicorns in like a regular dungeon area, and then sometimes I think you can go to. The whimsy shire type land, and it'll just have regular enemies in it in the rifts. And I know what all of our listeners are asking themselves right now, Phil. Is it as satisfying to slay cute, gorgeous teddy bears as it is, you know, evil, disgusting demons? And the answer is, it's actually more satisfying. <laughs> so get the expansion and keep playing rifts till you come up with the rainbow lantern, put the staff together, whatever you have to do. Mm-hmm. Find a way because killing Care Bears is so much well, fun. If you want, you can play with me sometimes, Phil, and I'll take you into Whimsy Shire. You'll take staff. me into Whimsy Land? Yep. Sure. Sure, and I like it. That that's a a joke based on when they first started putting out screenshots of Diablo three, it was considerably more colorful than the first two, and a bunch of the uh, oh, fans yeah. when the first two were like, "Oh my god, it's like Kitty Rainbow Land!" So Blizzard started like one of their developers started wearing a Rainbow My Little Pony shirt and stuff like that. Oh, that is too funny. Um. Yeah, yeah. So uh, tell us your Diablo 1, 2, 3 stories. We'll, we'll give you some directions here uh, when we do the final lap as far as how to get your comments up there. But um, And uh, and if you want to wanna add John and 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 Becky and whoever, you know, put us on your Even friends list. Even though Becky list. isn't playing the game yet. Even though she's not really, yeah. Wheels. I'm not planning on playing the game. <laughs> Wheels is jumping on right now. He's so doing it. Well, so, in, in Bizarro World, where you are, in fact, playing it, there they yeah. can add you. There you go. <laughs> oh, boy. All righty. Um, we're going to take a little teeny tiny break, and we'll come back and wrap this up with the final laugh. we've returned we're ready to do the final lap that's the part of the show where we just go over kitchen sink stuff read your comments on the air read your tweets uh tell you what we're farting around with playing or heck just whatever's on our mind and uh, we'll start off by reading some of your comments from the last show 
Uh, our last show was a little show called We Can Be Heroes. All about the Gaghar, whatever pronunciation we eventually decided on for the trio of Legend of Heroes games that we were all so lucky to have Bandai Namco release across the Pacific and experience in glorious translation issues that would have fit nicely on the NES. Hmm. Got a got a few comments on here. One from Techside says, I have a good friend who's been a fan of Kasiki games for ages, and I remember us talking uh, when this came out. There was a brief momentary excitement. Then there was less excitement, to put it charitably. I ended up passing <laughs> on these. The translation quality is a shame, since it sounds like they did a lot of interesting stuff here. And looking at it in a funhouse mirror form of bad translation is a sad thing. I did play the first Trails in the Sky. I'm looking forward to getting the second chapter of that when Exceed gets it out. I think... Well, I haven't played the first one yet because... Uh, actually, because Max Storm says he's going to get me a copy on Steam whenever it's released there. But everything I have heard indicates that Trails in the Sky which we do not need to use its acronym for right now. We will have plenty of time to do that in the future. Mm -hmm. Is indeed a considerable improvement over what we experienced in this series before. Hmm. At least that's what I remember hearing. Mm -hmm. So... Um... We have uh, No Name, who says there are some great zingers in here. A few I've come across from such devious fans. Hmm. And Starberry's left us a link saying that for those curious with the series connections of the Dragon Slayer series, there is a very informative video which also details the other series that spun off from Dragon Slayer. So you can check out that link and uh, and get some information about Dragon Slayer series. So our next show will be RPG Backtrack number 121, The Rock Goes in an Arc, where we'll be talking about the best and the worst of the Ark of the Lad series. Well, yeah, I think, we, I think we'll definitely save the worst for last there. Uh... Yeah, you know what? I could talk about that now, but I'm going to have quite a bit to say in the near future on that. I've been saying that for several final laps now, and it's finally about to pay off when we dig into this series, and then then I won't have to husband my thoughts anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. Other people have had to go to bed, so it's just you and... I, Mike, to talk about whatever is on our hearts and minds. What's on your heart and mind hearts today? Hearts and minds? That's right. Did you have to use that phrase? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, Phil, since we last did a recording, I seem to have put up another review of a current game. And based on the lack of reviews for its two predecessors... Uh, we will not be doing an episode on the Denpa Men. That would 
because I am also not going back to play the earlier two ones. In fact, Phil, do you have access to my review right now? Oh, I'm sure I could find it. One of your highest scores I've seen you give in a while. Actually, yes, because compared to something else I finished recently, it uh, it was better. Let's see here. Do 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 do. <laughs> Got to click on a few links, avoid some pop-ups. Ah, that's just par for the course when you deal with our wonderful site well, and its glorious uh, well, pop-up pro- proliferation. You gave this, uh, you gave Deep Numbin 3, The Rise of Jigitol, a 1.5? You know, I was initially going to go with a 2, but after the, during the proofing process, it was pointed out to me that I was being pretty damn hard on it, and it could go lower, and I had no problem taking it lower. Hmm. Interesting. You know, I'm looking at the other scores. I see two, you know, Battle Systems at two, Originality's at three, Visuals at three. How did that come out to 1.5, Mike? Phil, certain mechanics are to blame here. Certain less than glorious mechanics. Now, Phil, I know you're a fan of AI doing the battling for you, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, nothing I love more than an RPG than it playing itself for me. Well, you know, I actually did use that quite a bit because otherwise I have to go through and manually assign targeting for eight characters in a turn. Wow. That's a lot of characters have to play in a battle. But, you know, I could go on about combat for a while and I might just do that. But there's there's a core problem here. It's how you recruit the characters. Somebody in the development team thought this would be, thought it would be really cute to have you only able to get characters by using Wi-Fi networks. Wi-Fi network, like like real Wi-Fi networks. Yes, as in there is a building in the opening town of this game. You go into it. If you are in a new wireless area and the 3DS senses this, then new Denpa men will spontaneously appear in there, and you can try to grab them. Oh, and you do this by taking advantage of the gyroscope, so you will be spinning your 3DS around, and most likely you will be doing this in public, and if anybody just happens to look at you funny, then you just have to deal with it. And you can't even do it really in a rush, because once you get eight of them, then you have to go through whatever dialogue box they throw at you first before you can get rid of all of them and go capture some more. So if you're in a hurry, then that's too bad. You can just be in a hurry another time. And a commenter on our forums pointed out that there is, in fact, another way to get characters. Mm -hmm. The game never explains it to you, by the way. You Mm -hmm. have to figure this out on your own. You have to know what the hell it's talking about with QR codes. What are those? I still don't really know. But there's another building you can go into, and you'll be warned that you should be careful taking pictures or something, and then, bam, the 3DS camera view will pop up. And you are apparently supposed to just take some pictures with it. And maybe in those pictures will be a QR code that will get you a character, and maybe it won't. 
I really don't know the rules here. Because the game doesn't tell you anything about it. What is a QR code? How do I get it? How do I make it work in the game? How good a pic how good a photographer do I need to be? These are good questions, and I don't have an answer for any of them. <laughs> well I thought yeah, I thought QR codes like oh like oh they're like any QR code will work? Maybe. Maybe. Again, Phil, the game does not tell you. Oh, why should it, Mike? You know, it adds the challenge when the game doesn't do a good job of explaining its mechanics. You're absolutely right, Phil. Hmm. Which may explain why trusting in the AI to do the to do the right thing is not always a good idea. Your characters might be kind of stupid. <laughs> oh, and I forgot to mention one of the best parts here. Each Denpa man, Denpa man knows one spell. One. And the ones you get, you just have to take whatever ones you find. So if you don't have the spells that might hit the elemental weaknesses of wherever the hell you are, that's too bad. You're going to have to work a lot. You're going to have to work around that. Hmm. Isn't that great? That sounds like super fun. <laughs> I'm not even going into the plot because it's short and stupid. You know what? I will. It'll take one sentence. You are a Denpa man whose friend has been kidnapped, and in order to get her back, you have to go do the bad guy's work and get all of the elemental orbs. And at the end, you can... If you have any, any experience with video games in which you, as the protagonist, have to go gather all of the elemental orbs and deliver them to the bad guy, then you know what's going to happen. So I can't really spoil that. There's nothing to spoil. Except for the fact that your lead talks like somebody from the Chipmunks, except even faster. As we all know, dialogue, when rendered through, when sped up on the tape, and then sped up even further, sounds awesome. Everybody loves to hear that voice. Hmm. In fact, I, I distinctly remember playing a little bit of it for you a few weeks ago, Phil, and you re and you reacted unfavorably. Mm-hmm. Man. Uh, oh, yes. And enemies pop up visibly, and you have to contact them to initiate battle. But unless you are a good 10 or 11 levels higher than the enemies, they will chase you. And the you don't move fast enough to get away from combat guaranteed, and even if the enemies are 30 levels below you, they still might be able to kick your ass. I found that out the hard way. If they happen to have elemental strengths that you don't have at the moment. So, it's just a wonderful, wonderful game. Full of fascinating challenges that make you reach out as a player and get into the zone of being willing to do whatever it takes to beat the game. And then once you've passed that zone, because the game really doesn't have any easily borked rules, then you'll probably say, I'm done with this. I never want to touch it again. <laughs> Which is where I am now, after finally completing it and saying, nope, I don't want to touch this game again. I certainly don't want to touch its two predecessors. Why would I want to do that to myself? Hmm... So, 
and I also reviewed something called Ark the Light End of Darkness, but I I have a funny feeling I'll be talking about that in the very near future, so I'll hold off. Bang. Well, that, 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 you know, that sounds a little painful, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, um, I think... I think that was kind of uh, uh, my one of the things I didn't like about Persona 3 and back in the day Dragon Quest 4 is the uh, and I don't know why games keep shoving this down people's throats sometimes from time to time they keep going back to this and they keep finding out it doesn't work that people don't like you know basically having somebody else control their characters for them it's just not fun you know what I actually did it a lot because it was faster oh and it Oh there's, yeah, and there are, so there you're... are other mechanics. I I forgot. If you lose on the world map, then your lead gets bounced back to town. He's fine, but all of the other characters will just vanish into the ether. You'll get their items back, but unless you want to go pay money to get them back from some service on the island, they're gone. You can either find them again, or you can stock up with fresh guys, which means equipping them equipping seven new people every time you lose because you never you never get a game over oh and if you lose if you get some people whomped around in a dungeon then they just hang around as corpses until you revive them or you leave and then they vanish hmm I can tell that I've piqued your interest. This sounds like a wonderful mechanic. Yeah, say that just that just that just sounds super exciting how could anyone say no to that Maybe that's why this is the third one. People have been saying yes to it twice already. Mm-mm-mm. I wonder uh, if I should check GameFAQs to see how my review went over there. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Gosh, does does GameFAQs even have that one in their database? Oh, it does. I freely admit to looking at the board a few times when I was wondering, where the hell am I supposed to go? Because the game clearly flashes your next objective at every moment on the lower screen. Oh, but, well, that's but handy. But sometimes that next objective is kind of not clearly described. Go find the water temple. Where's the water temple? Game doesn't know. You get to find it yourself. A <laughs> game doesn't know. There's a character who says, it's to the southwest of me. Well, no, it's more to the south southeast of you. Thanks for those vague directions, you moron. Mm, vague directions. So. But you'll notice that I did not get nearly as exercised and disturbed as I did with something else that finally got a review recently. Mm. We, don't, we don't need to reiterate that. I, I think people already know where that game goes. I think we'll be, uh, we'll be dedicating some time to that one down the road. It won't be alone, though. Mm-mm. It will be. It will be a celebration in reverse of a certain company, and we will name names. Names will be mentioned and taken. We will be there to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and it's very hard to chew bubblegum and intelligibly record a podcast. So, anything else in your mind? Playing something new and liberating after those two dastardly <laughs> games in a row? Three, actually. 
because Arc the Light End of Darkness was also not good, but again, I can't talk about that yet, or else I'll run out of things to say. What? Um, Arc the Light Darkness was it? Oh, oh my god, yeah. The fifth we're, one. We're gonna have to have a long talk. Oh my gosh, everybody knows that game was awesome. Jeez. Well, Phil, it's just like the Shining series. Almost. In that somebody decided tactical games, pff, nobody wants to play those. Let's make an action game instead. Oh my gosh, that totally brings I, me to... I know you... I know you love your action games far more than your tactical games. Well, th- th- you know, I have to bring this up. Um, so uh, I was watching the nostalgic, uh, nostalgia critic, the guy who rates, you know, old uh, for the oh, most I'm part movies. Yeah, yeah, just for our audience, you know, it's just uh, you can you can um, you can just uh, go to YouTube and look up nostalgia critic, and he he goes over a bunch of old movies. Uh, well, probably, not too old. You'd probably do him a better service if you went to his site, that guy with the glasses. Yeah, that guy with the glasses. Yeah. Any Well, I try going to his site, Mike, and the videos for some weird reason won't play on my browser. And that's why I had to go back to YouTube. It could be. I think that's just the lack of standardized video video players in internet browsers, I guess. Yeah, but anywho, regardless of how you see him, um, I've actually I've been enjoying him a lot. He's he's almost like the angry video game nerd of of movies and the such. But I he was doing one on the the Lornax, the new Doctor Seuss animated uh, digital animation dealy, and I didn't see it, but I know about it. Oh, it is so freaking hilarious because, of course, they changed that story to adapt it to the to the to the to the screen, and well, they got it, it was a Dr. Seuss story. If you adapt it straight, what have you got? A 15-minute movie? Right, right. Well, they did a lot more apparently than just add fluff. They changed a number of plot points and how those came across, including kind of the whole theme of the story. Um, they totally changed it, and and the way he was making fun of this was he had two people in the room with him while he talked about it, and they were like the corporate executives. And every time he's like, "Why did you change this?" I mean, I understand there's going to be you know some addition and some changes for the big screen, but there was no reason to change this. You're dumbing a Dr. Seuss story. You're dumbing down a Dr. Seuss story. And they're like, well, we did research, and our polls and surveys indicate that this is what people like better. And uh, uh, that was uh, that. That just reminded me of what you were saying about yeah, the, with Arcland. Somewhere, somebody in the corporate office did a survey and figured out that people just like action RPGs so much more than turn-based RPGs. So the, clearly, the only way to carry forward your IP is to change it from uh you know and bring it to the next level is to change it from a turn-based game to a real-time you know type of uh action rpg because that always works and always comes out awesome especially when you can't pause yeah that's a great mechanic absolutely awesome uh okay so I'm pretty deep in Etrian Odyssey Untold, Legend of the Millennium Girl. I like this game. I like it a lot, quite frankly. Oh, really? Tell me what you like about it. I'm a sucker for a good dungeon crawl, where it actually feels like an accomplishment when you go down to a new stratum, and I'm not a sucker for the limited inventory, which is something that they poured over straight from Etrian 4, and you still have a total of 60 items you can hold, and when enemies die, they tend to give you three or four things, so even if you've still got plenty of mana, bamf, gotta go back to town, or we're wasting items, but each strata, 
I'm impressed by the level of detail that goes into this thing, how within the stratums, each sublayer tends to have its own unique aspect. There's a, there's a stratum that's just a gigantic cave with not much blocking you, really. And, and then below that, there's a place with a bunch of trees that warp you all over the place. Deep in the place, I come to a, a level that actually has no stairs reaching you. You have to activate the elevator and go down there manually. And because I was wandering around quite a bit, my characters hit level 70. And apparently also just like Etrian 4, there's some mission I have to complete very late in the game that will allow me to go beyond level 70. So I just recent, I just changed everybody's classes and they went back to level 30 with a whole bunch of skill points, which is cool, but it still means I need to grind a bit because even with good equipment and good skills, level 30 versus level 70, it's a lot harder to tackle the enemies. But I've regained a good 16 levels now and I think I'm about ready to take on the boss. And Oh yeah, and the music is awesome. But that pretty much goes without saying when, you t- when it comes to Yuzo Koshiro. That man is awesome. Now, are you playing this on a 2 or 3DS? 3DS. Uh, how are the 3D effects in that game, You know, going through a 3D dungeon crawler and stuff? I frankly haven't been looking at them much. Every time I try... Well, you've used the 3DS. If you put, if you put on the 3D, then you can't move your head much. You have to keep your eyes in one position or else the 3D work doesn't work anymore. I'll look into it by the time we next record and give you a report, but I feel no need to in, to indulge in 3D when it drains the battery faster and it means that I have to keep my 3DS in a certain position. Not like... Mario and Luigi Dream Team last year, I actually did enjoy some of the 3D work in that. It wasn't vital, and I certainly didn't use it all the time, but I did find it well incorporated. Uh, The development team clearly tried its hardest to make the 3D come across effectively. Or, you know what? Hell. Got the game right here. That's right. So here on the podcast, oh, right. I'm, I'm in the menu. I'm in the town at the moment, and all I can tell you is that if you do the 3D in town, then it makes everything look fuzzy, like 3D. Wow, that was a great, that was a great revelation. Thanks, Phil. I'm glad we now know this. <laughs> see, you're getting to see live 3D coverage on of our podcast of exactly what 3D would look like. Um, that's too in funny. a dungeon crawling town. Yes. As we all know, in dungeon-crawling towns, you tend to just have a menu to pick from. Menus are so exciting when rendered in 3D. They are. So, um, have you uh, played the other ones in the series before? I played 4. How does this one stack up against 4? Frankly, the story... I didn't expect it going in, but the story is quite interesting. The mechanics are pretty much the same as 4 except now you have these things called grimoire stones which you randomly generate and if you if you're willing to spend the time mixing and matching outside of battle then you can give your people grimoire stones that give them extra skills which can be pretty useful otherwise though it's pretty much like 4 except with defined characteristics for your people instead of quiet ciphers mhm uh, the dungeon mapping the dungeon mapping is really fun honestly 
uh, yeah, I consider it a modest but nevertheless noticeable evolution from Four's mechanics. How's that? Well, that'll work. So it sounds like you're having a lot of fun with it. I am. There's only one save slot, so I don't know how long I've been spending, but I gladly went back to this after Denpa Men was done because I'm actually having fun with this. <laughs> Denpa Men I took on because along came a review code and our glorious editor-in-chief asked if I would be willing to sample it, me not knowing that, yes, we apparently had review codes for the first two and nobody ever bothered to finish them for whatever reason. I can't imagine what that would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm playing something else Suikoden 5 hmm that's a classic classic as in pretty old is 8 years that old now yeah I mean that's why I, you know Playstation 2 RPGs are already starting to push a decade some of them are more than a decade yeah, FF10 is a good 13 years old now. It's incredible, but it's true. And yes, We Couldn't 5 came out... I think it came out right around the time the PS3 was on the shelves, so it's from... right before all the JRPGs started to migrate from consoles. Uh... Yes, they migrated far away to the land of handhelds. And if you have not yet accepted this, you'd better accept it soon. If you want your JRPGs, that's where you will find them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so Sukoden 5 is something else that we will talk about not too far in the future, and I haven't played enough of it, honestly, um, to say a whole lot yet. Okay. But I can tell you, even though I haven't found my base yet, what people say about the length of this game's introduction is very right. I think I've got 11 hours on the clock, and I still haven't been been able to start recruiting Stars of Destiny yet. And, wow. We call, where I come from, that's called a value add. You know, because it's giving you additional gameplay value for the dollars that you spent. Oh, and it's got load times, too. Not massive load times, but they're just enough to let you go. I just got this freaking load screen 10 seconds ago, and you're already going to throw it at me again. Thanks a lot, game. Uh, you know, that's another value add, teaching you patience <laughs> while you play the game. They throw You're that right. in for free. Oh. You, didn't, you didn't have to pay extra for the patience, the pay, the lessons in patience. Isn't that awesome? How Come generous. On. You know it's awesome. And um, I always love finding out the hard way that there's an item limit. Here I am willy-nilly bopping around, opening chests, getting stuff out of them, and then suddenly, what? Your inventory's full. You have to put that back. Ooh. Oh. Ooh, it's just like Etrian Odyssey. Arbitrary, uh, arbitrary inventory li- limits are the bomb. You know, these are these are these are topics. I feel that for some reason, I'm going to be touching upon as well. Hmm. Hmm. 
you might just be doing that. Yeah. 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 Little for, little foreshadowing. Uh, I'll give the I'll give Code Five this though. Its narrative is actually quite interesting, and now that it's gotten going, it's the kind of thing I can't sum up easily except to say there's a civil war. Uh, it's given enough establishment to the two major sides that have sprung up so far to make it feel almost like a Matsuno writing, where the political maneuverings are derived enough from real life that you can kind of accept that this could really happen instead of just being <laughs> I am evil and I have an army at my side <laughs> you need no further justification I am evil I'm evil yeah I've been playing games like that lately because those make the best bosses ones that just are completely evil no redeeming qualities or for that matter you know a two dimensional personality whatsoever those are wonderful they are in their place uh, okay so that's it for games I gotta mention a few movies that's oh what absolutely I sure I, like spirit, I, I I butcher names you talk about movies you know there, I saw one the second time in my life that worked a lot better this time you've probably heard of it Phil you may have even seen it what would that be 2001 A Space Odyssey boy that came out before 2001 I believe it sure did. So did its sequel, 2010, which came out before 2010. 2001. It's, it's, a, such a, it's a classic, Mike. It's a classic. It is. I I got a lot more out of it this time than when I... Well, watching it on a laptop screen is generally not the way to go. It is not a movie for the impatient... It's not even a movie for people who need everything spelled out because there's little dialogue in the movie and what dialogue there is does not explain everything even close. It could have been edited a little tighter in Jupiter and Beyond the Infinite because I frankly got tired of the light show for a while. Although I gather that was really popular with all the hippies who'd just taken a bunch of LSD at the time. And yet... It, it has a hypnotic quality that really worked on me this time. Hearing hearing the Blue Danube and the Strauss piece, which even though it wasn't it was composed decades earlier, is now associated with this movie. Uh, I gotta say Kubrick made the right choice with using those pieces of music. And the effects honestly hold up today they're, they're it's really good effects work um so yeah second viewing 2001 works a lot better for me than it did the first time but i talk about movies a lot better in with writing than i do vi verbally so that'll you'll probably see me write about that in the forums sooner or later yeah we have a whole we have a whole thread if y'all haven't checked it out where uh, where our members, especially Mike, uh, talk about uh, movies that they've watched. Yeah, and I seem to be dominating that thread lately. <laughs> like with the latest thing I wrote about, something called Edge of Tomorrow, which is in theaters right now. 
don't know if you've heard of that, Phil. That sounds like an episode of Star Trek. With a little tweaking, it could have been. Honestly, your, the scenario owes a great deal to Groundhog Day, but it also owes a bit to Americanization of Emily and to Starship Troopers, I guess. Tom Cruise is Major Cage. He is a spokesman for the the United Defense Force, which is which has just won its first victory against the alien incursion that arrived via an asteroid which hit somewhere in Germany and is now in possession of most of the European continent. Yeah, the United Defense Force just won its first victory at Verdun, of all places, and is about to launch the invasion to take back Europe tomorrow. And Tom Cruise is told by the, the commanding officer that he is going along with that invasion. And his response is, General, I, I'm an excellent PR officer. I'm, I'm not a combat soldier. I'm not trained for this. I'm not good at it. I wouldn't do well at it. And when all of his... When all of his appeals to logic fail, the commanding officer still has not been swayed, so Tom Cruise employs the old reliable blackmail. And that fails, too, because he's pronounced as a deserter and gets tased and dropped off at a deployment area, newly minted as a private, and under the command of Sergeant Bill Paxton, which is awesome. Because Bill Paxton is cool. And his first day on the job goes about as well as you'd expect. And he gets to witness the destruction in horrible detail of an obviously not wielding the element of surprise army. But instead of dying... Well, actually, he does die, but he wakes up back on the tarmac of the deployment area being kicked awake by Bill Paxton. And that is the pattern of our movie. He just keeps waking up at that point, and he retains what he saw, but nobody else remembers. And I probably shouldn't talk about it any further than that, because this is the kind of movie where I actually could spoil things, and I don't really want to. I want people to go see it. It's not the best sci-fi you'll ever see but it's more thought-provoking than most summer would-be blockbusters are trying to be nowadays. So you should go see it, Phil. There you go. Oh, yeah. And I saw this thing called A Hard Day's Night. People might have heard of that. Maybe even you've heard of that, Phil. Can't say I have. It stars these guys called John, Paul, George, and Ringo. They formed some band called The Beatles. You may have heard of them. Ringing any bells? Yeah, I was never big into The Beatles or anything along those lines. I mean, I know what the song is. There's been a hard day's night. Yeah, I know that song. Shockingly enough, it's in the movie. And so are some other Beatles songs. And I do love The Beatles, so the soundtrack rocks. And so does the movie, honestly. Uh, it's getting a limited theatrical distribution in early July to coincide with the Criterion Blu-ray release. And there is a theater playing it around here, so I might just go see it there because seeing this with a group would be awesome. Uh, that's that's probably enough. If I do everything I've seen, then we'll be here an hour <laughs> extra. 
Your turn, Phil. Hmm. So I'll probably be posting something about this at some point, probably on my blog or the forums or both. But lately, I've just been getting a a real itch up my craw to play retro. And I mean to go totally retro, Mike. Well, that means you went back to Ultima 1, doesn't it? Not that retro. Oh, man, but Ultima 1 means you can go back to a game made before Reagan was in office. You know, I actually did fire up Ultima 1 because just recently I do have it from uh, GOG. Uh, I was just showing somebody. I was talking about my. I'll actually. I'll bring this. Uh, I'll bring this up. So I. One of the things I was doing this week was total aside. Um, I was. Uh, I went to a training, uh, a Sheraton training exercise, and one of the things that they make you do is you have to write down an interesting fact about yourself, and then they later on they you know they pull these interesting facts out one by a t- one at a time and have you stand up in front of the class and explain you know the story behind that interesting factoid. And people had written down things like, well, somebody had been in a bus accident in Africa, and what was that like? Another person had written down that he had eaten dinner in a restaurant with astronauts, had a dining experience with restaurants. Another person had written uh, that he was a professional basketball player. All this stuff is really interesting, right? And what does yeah. Phil what does Phil write? I've got uh I collect uh, I've collected over 30 years of role-playing computer computer games and console games and I do a bi-weekly podcast about it with with some guys. And uh you know, so so everyone's actually getting read up and everyone stands up and da da da. And then they get around to 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 mine and I stand up and you can just hear like the snickering and the teacher was like the 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 facilitator I should say at the class was even you know trying to hold back a you know a half laugh or whatever have you she's read it like oh, okay I kind of know who this is because I'm sitting there I, I forget how uh, how they even knew I play video games I had I think I mentioned or somebody had asked me oh somebody asked me what I did last night which was actually doing the podcast with you Mike uh, when we uh, when we did the first half of this podcast earlier in the week so um so I you know so I explained exactly you know how I had games from all the way back from Ultima 1 all the way up through, you know, the latest games that are coming out um, and explain to them how the old games came off floppy disk and and what made them different than games of today and, and try to do my best to wrap up everything that, that we understand and do on this podcast uh, in, you know, roughly three minutes. But it was funny how, you know, I got a lot of kind of like side jokes and snickers from these guys in the professional field. Now, had I stood up and said, I'm a huge soccer fan and I collect soccer balls from the World Cup series or I'm a flutist and I've got a flute I can show you guys. Anything along those lines would have been totally A-OK. But you say video games and and people in the professional world look like you got asparagus growing out of your nose. So Even, uh, if, they, even if they play what have you on their phones when they're bored yeah yeah all of them are sitting there playing angry birds and stuff when they're bored yeah that's absolutely it um so yeah there's it was funny i said you know what we're gonna be, become a protected class nerds i said right now they're up at capitol hill arguing you know rights for other minority classes i said i'm gonna make sure we get listened to next we're gonna make it a long lane you can't snicker at us anymore so, uh, yeah, I, I pointed out their own hypocrisy to them. Anywho, to get back to uh, retro gaming or whatnot, uh, no, is, uh, is maybe one day I'll go back and play some of the uh, the old Ultimas and discuss those. But uh, uh, I wanted some of that was going to be a little bit more uh, accessible 
so well, I, I, I thought to myself, you know, boy, I talk a lot about retro games. I feel like I'm fairly knowledgeable, especially in the realm of RPGs. If you come and you say, hey, Phil, have you played XYZ or do you know anything about, you know, this old RPG? I, I can talk intelligently about just about any of them. But I've never actually sat down and played through many of the old classics, um, uh, specifically in the Dragon Quest series, Dragon Warrior Dragon Quest. Um, I played four, as most of y'all know who listen to this podcast, because I've talked about that one ad nauseum. Never gotten through any of the other ones. I've I played some hours into five, eight, eight yeah, nine, seven even. But I've never actually sat down and gotten through them, and I generally enjoy Dragon Warrior games. I just never really, you know, taken the time out to to, to play them. And really, I, I didn't even realize this when I started looking into this. Dragon Warrior One came out years before Final Fantasy One. It came out in '85, didn't it? Hmm. You know, that's a that's a really good factoid. We're just gonna look that up right now. It's either '85 or '86. Um, yeah, probably, especially if you consider it's Japanese uh, release date. I'm sure that's pretty far back. Uh, let's see, released in May 27, 1986, uh, Dragon Warrior. Uh, this would be Dragon Quest in Japan. So, yeah, it's probably even earlier there. Let's see, Dragon Quest uh, released May 27, 1986. Oh, so it looks okay, like... Okay, yeah. Huh. Well, it... The first Final Fantasy came out the year late after that. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was definitely influenced by this. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think, uh, well, I thought, uh, when, when did Final Fantasy come out? Here? Yeah. 90. 90? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so at least here... It took I'm... a whole three years to localize, and we complain about long localizations now. Wow, goodness gracious. So, uh so I did a little, yeah. So I was doing a little research on Dragon Warrior series, and I'm like, yeah, let me let me go back and, and try. Let me just start plugging through these one at a time. I'm playing Final. I'm kind of inspired because I've been playing Final Fantasy V on my Game Boy Advance slot on my DS, and I've been mentioning how much I've been enjoying that. And so that's what's got me. Gosh, I missed this classic. You know, how much more fun could the other games be? So that's why I've been saying, let's start at the beginning. Let's plug with Dragon Warrior One. So. Yeah, I've been playing through that. I found uh, I found the Super Nintendo game that never got re-released here or translated into uh, Americanese. I gather Enix had no offices in the United States at that time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but there there has been fan translations of the SNES uh, ROM uh, from Japan. Not that we would ever advocate We've got emulation. Fan translations but... of many other games from that era with considerably more text. I'm not surprised this one was eventually fan-translated. Hey, it must have taken them at least 15 minutes. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, You're right. I think it might have taken a whole 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah. You know, This for... game's script is extremely intricate, as everybody who's touched it knows. <laughs> did, did we ever do a, a backtrack on the early Dragon Warrior games? We did. So, we how, did. Long, how long ago was that? Not that, that I'm looking was... to do it again. I'm just curious. <laughs> was it like before my time? No, that was episode 50. Mm, okay. I've been holding off on 7, 8, 9 just because I kept hoping we would uh, be able to, you know, talk about 7 in its 3DS form, and uh, we may not be able to do that. They need to do uh, re- uh, put 7 on the hand. I, I heard some news it about 7. It is on 7. the 3DS. <laughs> We just 
it just has not been announced to, to cross the ocean. And at this rate, it may not happen. Hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I'm playing the Super Nintendo version, which uh, looks and sounds a, a little bit better. And i trying to remember if it had any other significant differences from the NES version that I remember reading about. But nothing's really coming to mind. But regardless of which one, oh, it doesn't have the old English. <laughs> they translate it into normal English. I think that's the biggest improvement for me. Uh, In modern English. Modern English, yes. Uh, though I, I do appreciate the higher fidelity uh, graphics. They're still very basic, tile-based. Uh, this is nothing like the later NES, uh, Super, I mean SNES games or anything along those lines. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's I've, I've put about probably eight hours into it so far. Um, I, I will fully admit to using an FAQ. Um, which I normally hate to do, but with these old NES games, and this one has certainly been no exception, uh, without an FAQ, uh, you're asking to put a hell of a lot more time into the game uh, because these old games like to be very vague in what you're supposed to be doing next. You're... you're uh, uh, hold, hold on one second here. Sorry about that. Had a little bit of a problem there on my side. Okay. But um no, the um the uh the what was I doing? Dragon Warrior one. Got off track. Hmm. Oh, right. It doesn't do a really good job of telling you where to go next. The town members give you very, very vague clues. It reminds me of Castlevania too. It's almost that bad. Uh there is one part of the game where you have to find this hidden hallway in order to proceed. It's not a matter of, yeah, there's a secret weapon there that'll help you out that, you know, is optional. No, no, no. This is required hidden hallway. And no one tells you that you even need to look for a hidden hallway. There are just vague clues about, you know, finding this one uh, uh graveyard or whatever have you to 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 move ahead, but you have no idea where this thing is at. So, yeah, with the power of FAQ and a JPEG map that someone was so kind to upload, it's much easier uh, getting through, you know, from point A to point B of the game. And with that in hand, uh, and the fact, oh, Super Nintendo has uh, higher XP and gold yields uh, when you're fighting the monsters, so that makes the grindy part of it less grindy. So you can get through, you can get through the game a bit, uh, a bit faster than normal. So I think in, with the Super Nintendo version, you could probably get through that in probably 12 to 15 hours or less um so and i'm playing pretty casually here uh you know i'm, I'm really i'm really impressed with some of the even on the nes version the, the graphics were, were pretty cool i mean when you got into battles with monsters they had little backgrounds behind them and stuff uh that was even in the original nes version they looked prettier in the snes version of course but i mean when you consider like final fantasy when you got into battles in the original final fantasy it was less like black you know, with like a little thing up in the top that kind of represented, yeah, you're in the forest. But I should remember that being the approach for two, three, and four on the NES. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was very minimal in the early uh, Final Fantasy games, um, and then in Dragon, yeah, Dragon Warrior. You're right. And and the later in Dragon Warrior two, three, and four, they went to like this black, you know, just totally black background in the NES versions of them. So it actually seems like when I look at later Dragon Warrior games, it actually looks like the later games took a step back in battle graphics. Uh, they, they do give you more party members to play around with, but they, they took a step back in, hey, you're fighting against this pretty background type of deal. Um, there, there's a lot of those Dragon Warrior conventions early on in the series. I've already fought a Metal Slime. 
uh, that gave gave me a crap ton of experience because I was lucky enough to get a critical hit on my very first attack. Yay. I wonder, if I wonder if Metal Slimes were in the original version or if they were just put in here because oh, by, you this, know, by this point, 5 had come out and I uh, think 6 was being done. You know, I had not considered that they might have put in the the metal slime into the SNES version just uh, just because they yeah they were stable by then interesting but uh, yeah you definitely will f- not find too many modern conventions in the very first one even on the SNES version I still have very limited inventory space I've got like 8 or 9 slots of which over half of are used by my equipped weapons and armor leaving very few slots left over and especially now that I picked up a key item I have got no spare inventory slots um doing uh like i said the game's very big about where to go next so you need an faq really to help you out but um it is uh, strangely satisfying with only one part there's one party member you you're the hero <laughs> you can cast healing spells well you that get... means that you don't have to deal with instant death spells that would be really really cheap in a game like this <laughs> that would be kind of funny yeah well there's uh there was uh there is one almost semi instant death spell sleep where didn't he put me to sleep but i just kind of stand there and watch him kick my ass uh, that really wasn't super fun. Uh, nice thing about emulation, though, is you can, you know, save your state. But, um, yeah, that that's a little evil. Well, that's better than having... I, I think the original version made you go back to the starting town and talk to the king every time you had to save, but that may be just me. I've never played the original version. I only played the Game Boy Color version. Yeah, and I definitely still recommend going back to the king and, and saving every once in a while. I've had uh, I've had a little bit of a bug pop up, and I don't know if it's because of the MU card or a real bug in the ROM, but uh, at one point I picked up the Staff of Rain, which is a key item. I don't believe you're supposed to actually use it as an item. It's just something that will come in handy later on. But silly little person that I am, I went ahead and um, decided to use it, and next thing you know, I had nothing in my inventory. Now, when I say nothing, I don't mean all my inventory got wiped out. No, no, no. I mean there was an item called nothing, N-O-T-H-I-N-G, in my inventory, taking up one of my precious nine inventory slots. So I tried everything. I reloaded the state. Um, I tried to drop the nothing item, but it said, this is too valuable for you to drop, and it wouldn't let me drop it. I tried to sell it, and the vendor says, oh, that's way too valuable for me to purchase. Go store that in a vault. I'm like, there's no vault in this game that I've been able to find yet. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it was a little frustrating. I ended up reloading. The reloading save state didn't, didn't help because, unfortunately, I had uh, saved over my save states after the incident, after I had picked up the staff and used it. So, the because the, I didn't notice the nothings in my inventory till later on. But, um, yeah, the only, the only way I was able to get that is to go back to my actual save uh, with the king, which is saved as a separate file on the emulator. Uh, and, and that uh, that so far so far I haven't run across the nothing popping up in my inventory again. So You're giving me flashbacks to the never-ending story with all this talk about the nothing. The nothing and the nothing is to be feared because it sucks up your precious inventory slots. Uh, yeah, fear fear the nothing. I do. Rest assured of that. You know, one of the interesting mechanics in this first one that didn't quite make it over to the later games is this uh, idea of a torch. And uh, you go into these dungeons, and they're pitch black until you light up a church, a torch, a church. <laughs> Yay, we're advocating burning down churches here on the RPG Backtrack. I lit up a torch, and you can kind of see, like, in three uh, three tiles in all directions. There's a spell that gives you four tiles in all directions later on. 
But uh, yeah, that's something that went the way of the dinosaur with later games. I don't remember seeing that in Dragon Quest four or five or anything. So um, that's a that's a real shame because I like arbitrarily dark dungeons that I have to use up an item just to see what the, where the hell I'm going. You know, that's reminding me of Sword of Vermilion, which is not something you ever want to do if you want to stay on my good side. <laughs> so, uh, you know, no, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not revisiting those memories right now. Sorry, mm-hmm. guys. So, aside, you know, there's definitely some of that archaic stuff that you would expect from something that's, you know, as old as Methuselah. Um, the story's not super deep at all. Hey, there's a dragon. He's busted in. Uh, you, uh, you know, he stole the princess. You got to go save her. Darkness is taking over the land. I think well, what's... Let, let's be fair, Phil. What RPG story circa 1986 was memorable? No, none of them were. But you know what I think is really cool, though? That I think this I think that this game does that like other games should have done, but they don't do because it's just so cool. Is the castle with the big bad guy... You can see it from your beginning castle. It's literally like ten squares away. You can yeah. see it. You just have to circle around an entire continent to get there. Yeah, you just can't get to it, you know, until you get through the whole adventure and you get the items that you need to get over there. Because you can't swim. Right. It is hilarious. It's like taunting you, like, aha, uh-huh. I'm just right over here, hero, but you're not gonna come. You can't just jump over that river. This deadly water separates us. Ha ha. <laughs> It's, it's hilarious. It, it's almost like the bad guy's taunting you without ever actually even seeing his face yet. I just, I, I don't know. I'm easily amused. Um, yeah, don't, don't expect him to have a whole lot of personality. It'll pretty much just be, yep, here I am. There's the princess. You want her? Fight me. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, uh, so, so far, I'm, I think I'm about halfway, a little bit more than halfway through the game, according to the fact. Um, I'm up to level 14. Uh, while you've been chit-chatting, I've been uh, gr- I grinded from 12 to 14 just by being in a high-level area and just grinding a bunch of monsters. That's where I ran across the metal slime, and they have these gold golems, which are like the opposite of metal slime because instead of giving you a crap ton of experience, gold golems give you a crap ton of gold. So they're kind of cute. Um, but I'm looking forward to uh, I'm going to take this on through two and then three and Dragon War because I jumped on with Dragon Warrior four on the NES, which I, I enjoyed very much back in the day. But, and if you still had your NES cartridge, would be worth a fair amount now. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend the the DS version of that nowadays because uh, it brings a number of enhancements to the table that make it the far superior version. But um, of that classic. But what I'm looking forward to is Dragon Warrior three because, from what I understand, a lot of enthusiasts feel like it's the Final Fantasy six of the Dragon Warrior series. Which we all know, Dragon uh, Final Fantasy VI is much, much better than Seven or any of the other ones. I would say that Dragon Quest V is my favorite of the series thus far. Did you play three? I played some of three. We're mm. we're going back a good thirteen years or so to when I did that, mm. um, and it was, it was the Game Boy Color version. And I remember it had a fairly again for the time it was a very interesting class system. Uh, I remember um, getting getting weak direction at a point and just uh, setting it aside for a while. And now, if I dig up the cartridge, the odds are not so good that the, that the battery will still be working. You know, it's so what's interesting. Uh, I've been looking at the SNES uh, versions, and I've 
gotten uh, RAM translations in all of them, so now I've I've tested them at least at, at least they boot up and they read English at the beginning, if nothing else. But um, you know, one of the interesting things that you see um, when you look at the Dragon Warrior One Two, that was released as one SNES cartridge uh, there in Japan back in the day, and they just really look like you know prettier versions of the NES version, but they're tile for tile, pretty much the same. Um, it just looks like it's slightly enhanced. But when you look at Dragon Warrior 3 SNES version, it, it's like a whole different ball game. It's it almost. I looks, remember. I seem to remember it being called Remix in Japan. Dragon Quest 3 Remix. Yeah, I mean the characters almost. Look, they don't quite look Final Fantasy 6 emotive and it, good. And it came out in 1996. So by that point, people knew what what they were doing with Super Nintendo hardware. Yeah, they're definitely taller and more detailed. Uh, than the other Dragon Warrior remakes that came right before them, uh, one and two, uh, they it looks like it looks like a, an Ultima game, a later Ultima game actually. It looks that detailed, looks that nice. The world looks uh, much more detailed. If you can go and check out some screenshots of the SNES version um, of Dragon Warrior three, compare that to the SNES version of Dragon Warrior one and two, you can kind of see the huge jump there. And from my understanding, well, I seem to remember they used a different... one and two being put out. 93, 94, something like that. And in the interim, they made Dragon Quest VI, which, if you look at the shots, Dragon Quest V looks like an early Super Nintendo game. Dragon Quest VI looks like a later Super Nintendo game, and everybody knows there's a big difference. Yeah. So, that's kind of the explanation, that three was done with the experience for making six look pretty darn good, and one and two was done with the experience of making five, which looked like an early Super Nintendo game. Hmm. So yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely uh, wholeheartedly. Um, no, I don't. No, no. But if you're super, super into retro gaming and you want to join me on this little romp, I, I, you know, the good thing about playing, if you're playing something the same time I am, you know, I'm never going to get through it too fast. I, I don't get that much time to play. It'd probably take me a few years to get through the Dragon Warrior games, much less, you know, once I start adding Final Fantasy games into the mix. You'll, I, you'll get through the first one. It's uh, but the first one you can get through. Yeah, the first one you could even get through in one solid day if you wanted to. Um, so... Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, you know, check it out. So, Dragon Quest, aka Dragon Warrior. Uh, pretty cool. Do it with a fact. I've, uh, as I mentioned before, I've been working my way through five as well. Didn't realize there was a third world. Uh, I thought I was done with the game, but really, the game was just beginning. I remember that vaguely. I. It's pretty. It's pretty cool though. I mean, the the dungeons in or the first dungeon I did there was pretty, pretty, pretty beefy, um, and I had to do it with only three party members. And I did find out, Mike. I texted you about that. Um, I did get my fourth party member back after the first dungeon in a story cutscene. So there may have been a way to get the fourth party member back before I went into that first dungeon. That was super long, but uh, it it kind of looks like from just uh, you know not reading every FAQ line out there, it does look like that you know yeah i kind of stuck with three people going through that dungeon but um it was it made it nice and i mean it was definitely um it was definitely kind of tough um and then of course i decided to make my life a little bit more tough by switching my one melee person to barbarian and just letting him wail on whatever and and so i'm just really controlling the two spellcasters at the bottom um 
so and then uh, then I unlocked the first three ancient weapons and, and holy cow did those things kick ass yeah ancient weapons buddy yeah that, that's the moral of pretty much every JRPG ever made ancient weapons are awesome unless yeah. they're not on your side in which case they're still awesome but you'll have to go break them yeah, why are ancient weapons so awesome? You think they'd be like kind of old and decrepit and falling away, but no, no, well, they kick major ass. No, no, no. Let's let's run along this in the world we live in. Let's pick an ancient weapon. Let's say um, a catapult that the Romans used to use, one that has somehow not fallen apart because they made those out of wood, and if you put eighteen hundred years of wear on wood, it tends not to last very well. Mm-hmm. So by this logic, obviously, if we extract that Roman catapult and use it, then it will smash apart whole cities right now. Mm. Yeah, right? Am, am absolutely. I, Hell, it'll probably probably destroy continent at this point. Or uh, let's see, what what did the Aztecs have for armaments? Mm, I think they just had a bunch of spears and arrows. But they, oh yeah. They made their spear tips out of uh, obsidian. But the rest of the arrows were wooden, so obviously that wood, you, you give it 600 years to wear, and that wood is now ancient, which imparts it with mystical qualities that will allow it to slam through the decks of an aircraft carrier, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, because the older a weapon gets, the more powerful it gets. It's just That's just the way life should work. So, uh, please, someone, make make this test. Go find an Aztec weapon or or a weapon of the ancient Israelites or a Babylonian weapon or something from ancient Persia. Whatever. Pick, pick your ancient civilization. Grab its weapon out of your local museum. The museum will be very happy, by the way, because you are making history real for the masses. And test that weapon. See what it can do. See if what we are learning from our RPGs is in fact right. Because the only way you can do that is real life. Mm -hmm. You can't take anybody's word for this. you got to do it for yourself. Yeah, so do it. So, uh, yeah, so I've been getting through that third world and just having a lot of fun with the um, with the class system and stuff in there. Mm. What else? Did that, did that. Oh, and been playing, as you kind of hear in the background, my wife is playing Final Fantasy XIV. We've been playing more Final Fantasy XIV and enjoying that, but I won't talk about that too much because we've already, we've already talked about that before. Mm, nothing, not a whole lot's changed there. Just kind of grinding our way up um, on that one. So, yeah, I think that's about all I have. Like I said, I'll, I'll post something about my joys in the lands of these older RPGs and see if I can get other people to join me. Everyone should sample the nothing. It, it is uh, it is something else going back and playing this old one and just broadening my gaming roots there. Well, anything else you can think of, Mr. Mike? Not right now, but you know what? We'll be recording again fairly soon, so if something occurs to me by then, I'll make sure everybody knows. Oops. Absolutely. So, pardon me for a moment. Just a reminder that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. So, head on over there, RPGamer.com, read all of our latest articles. You know, we got uh, we got a couple of new uh, reviews up on there. 
Uh, we just mentioned one of them. We got a review up there for a game called Mind Zero. You'll want to check that out. Wheels does the RP Gamer mailbag. We got a lot of E3 stories, and I think what's really cool about our E3 coverage is that we we pull out just a meaty, juicy RPG stories that you really care about. Because honestly, do you really care that they're doing another FIFA remake on the PlayStation 3 or 4 or whatever? No, of course not. You want to know what was the cool RPG news that came out of E3, and we got you covered there. The short answer is there wasn't much. No, no. But, you know, I was going to say, you know what's sad is I read an article saying there was more RPG news that, you know, out of this uh, E3 than ever before. And I'm like, when was the last time we had an E3 with a ton of RPG news? What are you comparing it to? Uh, I think we'd have to go back to about the glory days of the PS2, I think. When, or, no, maybe, remember there were a few years when RPGs were actually considered big sellers in this region of the world. Didn't last long, but it was there. Yeah. At any rate, now, now we're being denied our 3DS version of Dragon Quest VII because the series just doesn't sell that well on these shores. But we can get Dragon Quest VIII on iPad. Ah. Uh, and, and don't. By the way, boys and girls, just as a quick aside. Don't go and rush and get Dragon Quest Eight on the iPad. Find a way to get a PlayStation 2 and play it on there. Uh, you won't have to deal with a whole bunch of Square Enix EDRM crap. And uh, it does, from everything I've seen, it, it just it, it doesn't run smoothly. So think hard that about and, that. That and it's not the first game that would come to mind where I would go, yeah, I, I, touch controls will take care of everything I want. Uh, there, There's always that too. Uh, touch controls. I mean, with an RPG, you feel like you can get away with it more since you don't have to be quick with those, but doing touchscreen controls, even an RPG, does get irritating. I have tried. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of re- uh, remakes, re-releases, or not remakes, but re-releases of remakes of RPGs on iPad and stuff. Like, you can get Final Fantasy 3, I believe. Um, the original Final Fantasy. Yeah, is it I think on it's iPad? On there. Yeah, I believe so. I remember Final Fantasy 3 just showed up on Steam not long ago. Yeah, yeah, what's up with that? Like, you're going to bring a game well, to Steam? You're going to bring, like... Final Fantasy 3 is definitely for the hardcore among us, so maybe there's a, an audience for it. Yeah, I mean, out of all the final... Just three, really? I, I, I suppose. Um, anywho, but yeah, I would hardly recommend playing... A lot of these games have DS versions, or um, if you can do those first, or PlayStation 2, or whatever. Anywho... Mm, yeah, so we got some E3 coverage up there. We got screenshots. We just got a ton of stuff on the site, so go and check that out. Helps pay the bills. Helps keeps us on the air. That's super important, too, when you visit the site. It is. It does, yeah, it is super important, because the only reason we get to be here <laughs> is because uh, they let We have us. a site for everything to go on. Yeah, yeah, so please go visit. Join in our conversations um, that are going on in our forums. Read our articles. If you're really bored, click on an advertisement or two. That always helps out. Um, <laughs> da, 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 da. Go, go comment on the battle royale we've had going for a while, and it is about about to enter the semifinal stage. Right, uh, joy, and just uh, right now we're talking about Final Fantasy Tactics versus Final Fantasy XII. Which one has the better battle system, Mike? Oh gosh. You know, this isn't one that I can easily come up with for you. I would probably, if you threw me on the floor and forced me, I'd probably go with tactics, but it's not a quick call for me. No, 
So why don't you share your thoughts? You can actually vote on our polls. Uh, this one looks like the reader polls is definitely going to be a, a heavy player here. So I'm not even going to vote. But our last round, I seem to remember voting on the side that won. And I think you agreed with me on that choice, didn't you, Phil? Uh, which one was that one? That was when Grandia 2 went oh, up against... Yeah. Uh, what did it go against? I don't remember right now. But Grandia 2 won. Yeah. That made me happy. Yeah, that's... Uh, I, I forget what was up against as well, but Grandia 2... It's just adding that that little oh, mechanic. Oh, Chrono Trigger, that's it. Oh, Chrono Trigger. I mean, come on, guys. I, I love Chrono Trigger as much as the next person does. But as far as his battle system goes, it's pretty. It's animated. It's gorgeous. But at its heart, it's still kind of a turn-based. It does have the combo thing going for it with the different characters. But it's, yeah, it's just, yeah. Grandia has the little canceling mechanic. Oh, I love that. Totally love it. Okay, so, yeah, go to the website. You can follow us at twitter.com forward slash rpgamer. You can also become fans at facebook.com forward slash rpgamer. You can shoot me off an email, jcservant at cyberlightcomics.com or albertodyssey at hotmail.com. And uh, we'll be happy to answer your emails or read them on the show. Even better yet, we'll read them on the show. So, and I'm jcservant at Twitter. Also, if you want to do an at Twitter. And uh, Mike is Drew Mason. Yes, as several people obviously know, because they keep reminding me of that Idea Factory thing I played via Twitter. <laughs> so thanks, guys. That <laughs> That's exactly the way to make me happy in everything I do, by just reflecting upon the fact that I'm no longer playing that game. So thank you all very much, and we'll catch you in a little bit. Oh, hey, Mike, want to put us to bed? Um, well... To do that in keeping with the theme of the main event would involve me wishing that everybody goes to hell. So I'd, I'd better not do that. People might take that the wrong way. Really, uh, it was just a pleasure to, to get so immersed into something. Super it, awesome. Thank you.